You should wash your hands. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> In the hit sequel to Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta dances his way to the New York stage. Guess what? I got a job on Broadway. Way to go, Monero! But a sizzling affair with a beautiful dancer sparks a bitter romantic triangle. I can always be second choice. You're not. I am and you know I am. But we did it. Don't mean nothing to you. We met. I liked you. We made it. What do you think it was? True love. Everybody uses everybody. Don't. What you have is anger and a certain intensity, and that's what I need to make this show work. Everybody uses everybody, don't they? dancers you want to fight you do it on your own goddamn time i remember that cynthia rhodes and finola hughes co-star in this electrifying dance spectacle directed by sylvester stallone staying alive Fly with Dave Juskow, VLA edition. Podcast number two from the city that never sleeps. Oh no, that's uh, something else. This is Los Angeles, where the sun never sleeps. Ooh. And the strip never gives you Los Angeles. It's great. Because if you want to make it, the only culture you can get is from a yoga container. <laughs> you can make a right turn on a red light here. <laughs> um what, was he, what are you saying? <laughs> anyway, uh, everybody, thank you. We are back at the CPU Studios. That's correct, right? CPU Comedy Pop-Up Studios in Los Angeles in Koreatown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that horrible? And I am with, of course, my co-host all this week, Mr. William McLaughlin. Hi, David. Hello, William. And one of my best pals who's very angry at me today, and for very good reason, Mr. Chris Regan, everybody. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, William. Hi, Chris. Great to see you. Yeah, you guys know each other for many years as well. Many, many Many years. Well over 20 years. Well over. So Chris and I have been friends for even longer than that. (laughs) Probably 30 years, I guess, at this point. Probably like 32 or 33. And I guess this is where it ends. Yep. I I think we are in the twilight of our relationship. Chris is very, very sick today, and I forced him to come because last time we were in L.A., I was supposed to interview him, and his dog and wife got bitten by another dog is that they got into a knife fight you said with uh, another dog they were attacked by a pit bull yeah and it was bad and it was upsetting that he couldn't come but you know i mean i've been talking about this on my podcast for a long time when things don't go my way i i, I can't handle it i'm uh, I, I, it's a problem and uh i don't know you know it's like i when i'm at my thankless job i put together all these shows so for you uh-huh. i've put together now like two like like four episodes already because I just have things I talk about and I have clips that I put together and stuff. So then when you weren't going to come again, I'm like, oh, this is so disappointing because I put together all this work and stuff. I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me that you came all this way even though you're sick today. I no, but I, I I would like to say that I offered to pay for this recording but session. That, but today. that's not. But that doesn't. That's not helpful. I want the podcast. I want to I, do I know the show. What, and that's what's paying for the podcast, isn't what's, it? What's important is what you want. And I'm here. Well, yeah. I mean, I really did come out to Los Angeles to 
see you and put you on the podcast and okay. and ha- I mean for, for real I mean I, there's no other reason I'm here I'm not doing anything else here no, I you you've made that clear and right. I called you today saying I was very very sick I told you yesterday I was very sick yeah and I was definitely going to come by I um and if I reached out to you today to tell you that I wasn't going to be able to make it, it must be because I'm really sick. But I also wrote back. I said, all right, forget it, Chris. It's all right. You know, whatever. I just, what, what do you, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's the second time you canceled on me the day before. I both very good reasons. I get it. I know. I've just, it's just, you know, it's a thing. Well, let's do it. Well, I think we should probably press record. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you guys went to college together. Yeah, we did. At we Ithaca. Did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, not only did we go to college together, uh, which is amazing, but this guy, uh, first of all, actually, I I believe I have um, a clip from um, Chris's first appearance and, in college. Uh, the whole oh, idea God. Behind nuclear power is that it's going to help us and be an alternative, a viable alternative to uh, the power we're using right now, the oil we're importing, and uh, wood what is this? and coal. Let's and see. it's just a big myth. It's a foul. A myth. It's not going to work. A myth. It's not going to work. want to talk myth. It's That's me. Dangerous. A myth. Come on. Okay. Excuse, me. Excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. We're talking about nuclear power. We're talking about something that is... I want to call. I want to call. I know. Excuse me, please. We have a question here. Yes. Hello. I'm a student. I'm doing graduate studies at Harold Robbins Community College. He knows what he's talking about. Yes. I've studied nuclear power extensively, and I was arrested at the Snake Hips Nuclear Power Plant. Protest. It was good for, for a good, good cause. God, come on, you don't have a cause. clue what you're talking. He improvised all that stuff when he was only 18 years old. Really? None of that was scripted. I don't think it was. And if it was, you did a good job of memorizing it. That was in our college days uh, on a show called Busby with our good friend John Vitti from the Boston Globe. Um, I'm fighting with him too right now. Why? Oh, yeah. No, it did. Oh, because he wants to. He wants you to come speak at. Uh, or he wants an interview? No, no, I, I did. Oh, you did? I, I, I did. I, I did a thing for uh, his classroom, and uh, oh, the Skype thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, it didn't go well. No, no. I think I think well, I it's uh, I, I it, it went fine. <laughs> oh, I'm fighting a war on many fronts. Mm, I can't <laughs> wait to. You've become a crotchety old man, Mister Regan. And I thought I I mean I am the king of crotchety. Just want a little respect there. <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing is, ironically, you do garner the respect, uh, and we all. That's why uh, you. That's why I. You know, I mean, look, you're doing really well, and I that's why I've been illustrious career. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we do totally respect you. You're but the biggest you're, name on the block. Might right be coming now. off the wrong way. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not really fighting with Vidi, but <laughs> I, I know. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I, he he could have sent me a thank you note. Oh, yeah. Well, he's um, <laughs> note to he's self. an odd he's an odd bird. Uh, yep, you know, yep, sometimes yep. Uh, he's got his uh, thing. You know, I don't know. He's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but you have you have all those on your computer. No, no, I just I bought certain things. Oh, okay. Was, yeah, all right. So I, mean, I was wow. looking for stuff from this is from nineteen eighty five or six. Eighty six, right? Right. Because yeah, yeah, you were yeah. a freshman as a senior. Yeah. Have we have we explained to people that this was a college TV show? I'm go, I was just going oh, to. Okay, it was a right, show I'm called sorry. Busby okay. with um, our friend uh, John Vitti, who played this character. It was supposed to be like Donahue or any of those shows where everybody's just fighting all the time. And I was playing Jimmy Breslin, and our friend John Weber was playing another guy. Then we were against nuclear power, and then we had questions from the audience. And uh, it's a very, I know, it was very multi layered portrait the, of yes, Jimmy Breslin. And anti nukes was a big thing then too. Mm-hmm. Was it? I don't remember anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I feel my throat closing up now because uh -huh. no, I'm a paranoid Jew. <laughs> <laughs> then his job here is done. <laughs> that was my only goal in coming out today, <laughs> to give you this and then think about you flying home. Right, right. Um, know, I'm going to fly home like that uh, McDreamy in uh, Outbreak, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a sketch on a show that we did. Yeah, it's called The Nothing Special. Yeah. Chris and I were on a television show back mm -hmm. in the Didn't back Alan in the, Klein produce that? Alan Klein was involved. Yeah. He was. Okay. Yes, he was we involved. Know. Oh, my God. Okay, kind of before my time. Um. Yeah, thank God. You should be lucky because this guy, first of all, I've told him a hundred times, the show would have been ten times better if he had just come out five years earlier. But we had to deal with his coming out of being gay, and which affected the show. Guy but couldn't was, concentrate because he was loving other guys' cocks at the time. He was just understanding. He couldn't. He couldn't produce a show. What was in the water in Ithaca that that made everybody gay? No, that had ask you, Chris. But there were oh, a few oh, people sorry. that came out of your class or your. your hey, who? What? <laughs> came out of your ass? No class. Fuck you. Oh, class. sorry, sorry. <laughs> right. Well, who else besides Chris Regan is the best? Well, this is what I'm saying. Chris Regan, who was just a, a, a lonely freshman when I was a senior, and of course king of the school, went back. Two years ago, and gave the goddamn commencement speech. Wow, it's uh, amazing. It was four years ago. Four years Did ago. Did you get a thank you note? This guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. For real? No, I did. no, no. Everyone was very, very nice. It, I mean, it was, it's it unbelievable. The guy gave the fucking commencement speech. What was that? Everybody, everybody wants to go back to our school and do. Oh, that. And it wasn't it like the terrifying. Harvard shit, where like was you it? know, there's this yeah. asked to go. He went there, and they asked him because he is a person of stature. In the business. Do you get a check after? Do you, no, yeah. they... um uh, They fly you out. They'll fly you yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. First class accommodation. <gasps> nice. How do they go first class to Ithaca? Uh, through to Philadelphia. Oh. Yeah, oh, got right. Philadelphia and transfer and go to Ithaca. But, no, they were great. However, uh, as we were marching up to the hill to give the speech, the then president of the school told me, uh, well, you know, we only, um, we only uh, ask alumni to give the speech now. And then there was a pause, and he said... <laughs> That's why we don't have to pay them. <laughs> like, oh, okay. what an asshole! Why an honorarium. The fuck right, is that right. guy? I agreed. To, uh, there was never any money on the table. I agreed. To yeah, do that. I listen. I anybody would have, except yeah. for Kevin Brennan. Everybody would have done that. It's uh, your name engraved on it. I would ask. I'd want to be some acknowledgement that was going to last. No, yeah, I'll tell you what the acknowledgement is. So. The acknowledgement is that I remember who did mine. Who did yours? The captain of the love boat, Gavin McLeod. <laughs> no, no way, really? Yes. Wow, <laughs> he was an alumni. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, See, there's something. So what about I'm saying is, those kids who was there, like, yeah, we had Chris Regan from Family Guy or something. Well, I'm the, sorry, the year before me was um, was David Boreanaz. What? Really? Uh, yeah, who played Angel? Really? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, he's a grad. He's in that Navy SEAL show now. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say he's still around. Yeah, yeah. that he guy did your. Yeah, he he was a grad, and he was invited no, the, the year, year before. before. He did the commencement. He did. Oh, the oh, I'm speech. sorry. I thought he did your commencement. Oh no, 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 Seven. Yeah. No, he was a little younger than us, but I obviously. I didn't kind of pack the star power of a David Boreanaz. Were you? See, I agree. I disagree. Rather, I I think I I would much because of w what we went to school for. Mm -hmm. You would be a much more exciting commencement speaker for me. Oh, you know, what? a writer for a show that I kind of worship would be much better for me than you know somebody from Buffy. All right. Well, I'm not mad at you anymore. Ah. Oh. So <laughs> so, so did you mean. set out? Was your speech? Hilarity from the from the uh, from the gate was you know, it inspirational? I have a clip of it. it, it I'm, was, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was terrifying because they asked me in November of 2013 to do it in May, and okay. um, I agreed. But those next six months, I just kind of devoted myself to writing this speech, and I did a, a one or two drafts of it. 
throughout a bunch of different versions. And because um, I didn't want to go back to my school and bomb. Right. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. What could be better time? than a comedy writer doing a speech? But then the pressure is on. Yeah. How I, much time did you have? 20 minutes. Oof. That's um, a lot. They, they said to do 15 to 20 with laughs. It was about 22. Okay. Um, All right. And uh, I did forget about a paragraph at one point. I was, I was, I had my speech in front of me and I oh, was pretty this... much off book because I was so terrified oh. about this. But it started off amusing, wound up warm. Right. Came well, back which to is what amusing. You want. That's which what is what you want. Did Good you ever luck, hear everybody. Conan O'Brien's speech <laughs> when he went to Harvard and did it? Yeah, yeah, I I studied a lot of. That's speeches. one of the classic ones. Yeah, yeah, but but before I went on there, because he had a lot of pressure on him, maybe even of more course. so in the sense of being a you know a, a on TV all the time. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. yeah no, Did no. you have a student minder while you were there? Did you no, have I, that I, whole treatment? Or? I had there. I met a lot of trustees. Okay, and there were a couple of staff people who sort of guided us around town and where we had to go and various dinners. Did you feel VIP? I did. Good. I Good. I, I, I felt really special and. Um, Kind of the big, uh, like a little perk was okay. After the speech, you can take as many people as you want to the best steakhouse in Ithaca, the, the John Thomas Steakhouse. <laughs> oh. And I invited our old college professor Ben, ben Crane, Crane, who came by. Let me tell you something about Ben Crane. <laughs> if it wasn't for me, Ben Crane wouldn't have tenure. <laughs> Do you know he asked me to get? I had to write a letter for him to get tenure. And this guy, who I always liked, either way, and freshman year when I asked, or sophomore year when I asked him, I'm like, can you help our show? It's struggling and there's a problem and we need a faculty advisor. And he goes, I don't have a lot of time. And then senior year after we won that award, um, he was like, you know, that award holds a lot of prestige. If you could give me a tenure thing. And I was like, what if, look, how about the fuck of this guy? Look at this guy. But uh, he always was kind of a delight. So. He came out with uh, my friend. Oh, Pete. he came out. I knew it. I knew he was going to come out sooner or later. <laughs> he came out for dinner. Oh, just for dinner. Um, Damn. Uh, and that's how we got exclusive. kicked off Spotify. Our, our, our friend, our Pete Morris, he came up with his brother Pete Noel Factory Morris. Yeah, our, our friend Pete, he can't smell. Um, uh, uh, Eric Bjarnar, did you know oh, him? That's so, he came yeah, by. Yeah, no, I know him through Why you. Why didn't you go, David? Paul McClain. You could have come up. Right. I haven't been back since I went to school there. Yeah, so. I've been embarrassed. But it was fun. It was fun. It, it went over well. The kids laughed at all the right places. Of course um, it went over well. I, yeah. I really wasn't. I know you were worried, but I wasn't worried at all. Oh, when I found out you were so, doing it, I was like... I was so glad when it was over. I bet, I, I bet. I was like, he's going to do a again. great job. There's no way he can't do a good job. I mean, you're a professional comedy writer. Like well, a really well, good a writer professional and, a, and writer. And to, to deliver a, a speech, and you also know that the same minds that are that you guys were watching, like Gavin McLaughter, who was your speaker at... Uh, oh, yeah, who was yours? Uh, he was a doctor who um, I understand was a trustee... And uh, I, I don't know. I kind of got somebody I kinda, canceled. I, somebody <laughs> canceled. <laughs> I kind of got the impression he was winging it. I yeah, remember like yeah. that. But yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. I mean, did you feel the eyes? See, I, th I would think you'd feel the eyes of those really, you know, those super smart kids who are graduating who are like, oh yeah, bring it. Let's see what the. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'd be worried is the oh. yeah. And it was he doesn't hyper seem funny. And it was like there was like twelve thousand people there. I mean, oh, it was it was huge. Well, I would hope so. Outdoors, yeah, yeah. yeah, and outdoors. It was a nice day. Uh, it was out, a nice yeah. day. It was a nice day, thankfully. Uh, but you know, echo, May, echoing off the hills and stuff. Yep, yep. It, no, it, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Did Mike Royce? Mike, yeah, Mike Royce, Royce should right. be That's speaking up there. I mean, Mike Pro Choice Royce. Fuck Ma, him. <laughs> Mike Mike Royce has certainly lapped me in showbiz. No, he hasn't. He is. Well, but, what I mean, but that's idiot. what I'm saying. Look, something was in the water. He's doing a Latino show. What does anybody could do that? He spicks niggas, Jews, and now women. Come on. Oh, you what? don't know that oh. one? Oh, you weren't here for the last podcast. <laughs>
Yes. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's from a bad news bit. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember? It's a tanner. Boys, I'd like you to meet your new pitcher, Amanda Wellich. Juice fixed diggers and now a girl? Grab a cup, Come on, you don't remember the Bad News Bears, the original? <laughs> That's why when they said they were redoing it with... Uh, uh, Greg Kinnear, I'm like, what? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Apparently, they cut that scene out. Yeah, you should. You should probably one. cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> like I said, it was in a classic movie that everyone loves. That's yeah. why that kid Tanner's never been seen again. By the way, you know, you look him up because I. Well, I'm one of those people that looks up what happened to the cast of the Bad News Bears, and they're like, he doesn't want to know from anybody. Apparently, he moved to Utah. He doesn't want to know. He wants to be left alone. Because, you know, I was obsessed. I saw all three movies. And the first one was really good. And the second one was not good. Was Matthau in all three? No. Uh, Why would he do that? I think uh, William Devane was in the second one. Second one. And then Tony Tony Curtis Curtis was in the Bad News Bears Go to Japan, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is probably even more racist. (laughs) Oh, we should look at that. Uh, Probably more racist than that line. Oh, we should look at At that. At work the other day, we were looking at clips from uh, Pretty in Pink with Long Duck Dong. Oh, Oh, oh my God. No, 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 no. That's 16 Candles. Oh, sorry. 16 Candles. I know that. My Very God. Well. <laughs> Every time he comes on screen, they, they the bang The need food. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> at one point, he, he, shout, he jumps out of a tree shouting bonsai. Yeah. Even though he's Chinese. <laughs> oh. I mean, think he's about basically, that. He's, he's every kind of Asian that you need no, with a, a gun. A neat a pie fit in a neat food fit in night pie. It's quiche. I love spending a time with grandma grandpa. <laughs> yeah, it's real messed up. Do you think when they did something like time. that that they knew no. that they, they that they were just mixing? It wasn't like that back then. You could. Yeah, it it think, seemed always. Oh, totally do you think? Okay. Wouldn't it be funny if he, our Chinese guy said bonsai? You don't think that they? No, I think no. It, you think that they were I mean, just as you know. There weren't clueless. as many avenues to be called on your shit back then. Yeah. Right. As, as yeah. The, the even now, the guy performing. Know. I mean, it's funny if if. Uh, Getty Wannabe, I think his name was. Watanabe? Watanabe, yeah. yeah. If he had said, well, you know, Chinese guy, because I think he talks with a regular, I don't think he talks with an accent. And he's like, you know what I was thinking. (laughs) uh, Now, do you want me to do it like this? Ah, married, yeah, I'm married. Um, Or do you want me to do it like this? Like I'm speaking right to you now. But no, if he had said, well, Bonsai is not really Chinese, like shut the fuck up and do your line, you asshole. Do you imagine John Hughes being like that? Shut the fuck up, you dumb coop. Uh, oh, okay, I mean, listen, <laughs> which I guess guys did say that back then. Maybe not that, but I'm sure there was like movies where you just, you shut up and you do what I tell you to do. And now it's certainly not. And it's funny because really only this year did people realize, you know, that Long Duck Don character is pretty racist. Right. It's funny. Only this year did we even know we're like noticing more and more stuff. And that's a classic Great movie that people worship because I had um and it's not my, that long ago. It, it's like now it's almost thirty years. Like <laughs> I guess. when we were in college, um, I had this guy John o. Abrams on my podcast two weeks ago, okay. and he w- worked with John Hughes. All right, so he was w- working on planes, trains, and automobiles. And uh, well, what did he do? He John was Hughes? just he was his assistant. Oh, okay, and he were he was working on the entire movie. It was mm-hmm. very exciting for me. You know, I like that kind of uh-huh. stuff. And uh, he he him John Hughes and the president of Paramount got to see. Uh, Ferris Bueller, the first screening. Like, okay. hey, you want to come with us? We're going to see uh, this new movie I just made. It's called Ferris Bueller. Yeah, I guess I'll come around. I mean, I, I like that kind of stuff, you know. So <laughs> he was involved with all that. And we were talking about John Hughes and stuff, and he just sounded like a truly lovely man. Uh, so it's kind of funny for a guy that probably was very respectful in many ways about people's feelings and stuff. Again, 30 years ago, we just, 
we just didn't have, we didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know that you were being <coughs> unsympathetic no. to stuff. And it made funny. It was like, yeah, the uh, the foreign exchange dude, that's hilarious. That guy doesn't know how to speak English. <laughs> Even the kids are laughing like, you idiot, it's called a quiche. Yeah. A quiche dummy. <laughs> You've only been in our land for an hour, hey, you fucking idiot. Like, mm-hmm. seriously, that's a, it's a, it, I feel bad. Like, that's, when I start to notice stuff like that in a movie, I know something has gone wrong. Like, uh, or maybe I'm learning things, you know? Because I'm always like, what's wrong with that? I think it's that, I mean, what we're talking a lot about now is white privilege. It's like the the kind of dominant culture that seemed to sort of run stuff back then. And we've we've shifted that a little bit today. So when we do look back, we're like, oh, we're looking at it through a different lens Yeah, but now. I'm upset that it didn't, I mean, I just wish it happened when I was a little older. I'm mad that every, you know, that I really wanted to get more white privilege in before I got, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I don't got feel like taking advantage no, of it at all. No, we're even, doing okay. You know, we're doing okay. I saw somebody on Twitter, I mean, even within the decade or a little over the decade, um, posted an old Daily Show clip, a show I used to write from, for, um, in 2004, of us making fun of Dennis Kucinich's election platform. I don't know who that is. Uh, he, he a, he, a very progressive yeah. uh, a d- Democratic senator who ran for president at one time, or congressman, excuse me. Uh, Sharon Houston's height. T- oh. Tiny little fella, very, yeah. v- very volatile. And very passionate. And we had a clip of him speaking, talking about who he was going to appoint as judges. And he was like, I'll appoint gay judges, lesbian judges, transgender judges. And then we cut back to the studio and the John's joke was, oh, imagine that. Please all rise for Judge Chick with a dick. And wow. you know, the audience roared. Right. And um, but um, wow. I mean, we were this supposed voice of progressivism in comedy yeah, yeah. in America yeah. in 2004 doing nasty yeah. anti-tranny, you know, yeah. chick with dick I think jokes. most people and... just blame J.R. Havlin for that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I know well, I'm just using names nobody knows, but I... <laughs> well, someone showed it to me and said, did you write that joke? And Ooh. I had to think, like... Well, that's the problem. Well, yeah. I don't... I don't remember not writing it. Right. Just always say, just always say you, you wrote the jokes like, that was hilarious. Yeah, I wrote that. Or if somebody doesn't like it, they'd be like, I didn't write that. There's a whole staff. I don't know. Have you had JR on the podcast? No. Okay. I see out here. Or is he, he's in New York. No, he's in New York. No, he lives right by me. I just see him walking his dog all the time. I get sick of it. He, right. bef- he performed a catch? He did. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did uh, he? just the other day, I was, uh, um, I was beginning to feel sick. I was listening to some uh, Howard Stern uh, YouTube clips. Right. And, you know, like... If you listen to a couple of jumps to the next clip, and they had um, some intern in the 90s streaked in the studio, and he was a stand-up comic, and he was trying to get attention for himself, and then they showed a clip of his stand-up, this guy, and it was terrible, but he was on stage at Catch. Oh, how funny. And uh, it had been years since Port- it, like the little it- bar over to the side. Yeah, the yeah, 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 the yeah, back. The whole it was, it was nice to see. Was it Michael Portman? No, no, po- no, I know who you remember that. Not, that soy bomb, soy bomb, yeah. Oh, Michael Portnoy was that? Portnoy. His name? No, no, I don't no. think it was Portnoy. No, was no this something. was some kid named Zach something. Galifianakis, yes. No, no, no. <laughs> I remember when he did that. I was like, you're out of control. He was already famous at that point. Oh, but I was. think, and you and I met there. But I, David and I were talking about this before you got into the the phase of your career. Now you were a copywriter. I wrote advertising for Sony Music, yeah. Right, and you, you have a, yeah, yeah. I seem to recall, you uh, claim to fame is that you titled some Michael Jackson oh, you albums? Know, one of my first jobs there, and this went on for years, for a year or two, was they hired a bunch of people to come up with the name of the Michael Jackson Best of album. And I remember coming up with Menagerie, you know, the, the Best of Michael Jackson, right, because right. you know, he liked animals and stuff. Right. And 
they Michael Jackson's people just killed him and killed him and killed him. And then eventually they came up with the title History, capital H, capital I, capital S, Terry. Uh-huh. I thought you did. I thought you came up no, with No, that. but I, I always I, tell people I, I credit came, you with that. No, I came up with the with the te- with the advertising line for it, which was History Begins June sixteenth. Which is when the album was going to drop, <laughs> right? And that was seen all over the world. Wow! And uh, that was my part of the. I uh, I got shoved out of out of an elevator because of Michael Jackson one time around that time as well when I worked at Sony. And you, I, I was I had a corn muffin in my hand and a coffee, and I was waiting I don't to. Like that corn muffin. To, to, um, Everyone knows not to have a corn muffin in a goddamn elevator. I was I waiting to get in the elevator, and suddenly this flying V of security people came around the corner with him in the middle. With his fedora and a red bandana around his face. And the elevator door is open. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm taking a ride with Michael sure. Jackson. A security guard pushed me in the chest out of the way. Oh, my goodness. And they all went in there. Well, nowadays, and, you could have sued. And, right. and Jacko was in this crowd of blue jacketed security guys. And he and I just stared at each other, like over his bandana. And I, my, my coffee is <laughs> white. Just as a ding, the elevator door is closed. <laughs> you, were mad dog, you were mad dogging uh, Michael Jackson? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I hope you die at 50. <laughs> I can't believe that guy was so cruel. I rode with a lot of people in the elevator at Sony. I bet. Else? A lot of famous people. Uh, I was once stuck in an elevator with two of Belle Biv DeVoe. I don't know which ones. Oh, yeah. Biv or DeVoe? No, Biv is great, but DeVoe is an asshole. It wasn't the skinny guy who didn't appear to have eyebrows. It was the other two guys. Um, I rode an elevator with Eddie Vedder. I rode an elevator with Nick Nolte. Oh. Um, One day, I rode an elevator with Judas Priest, not Rob Halford, but the other guys. Uh Now, I know this because... These three middle-aged metalheads came into the elevator with me. <laughs> and when you were a visitor, everyone got a Hello, My Name Is sticker. Right, right. And yeah. all three of these guys had stickers reading, Hello, My Name Is Judas Priest. Oh, all right, all right. Okay. But yeah, I wrote, I wrote ad copy for a little over five years before I started The Daily Show. Let's take it. I want to also, I have some elevator celebrities. Okay. Oh. I have uh, um, uh, Dick uh, Cavett. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure how where that was going. <laughs> how you started and then you paused. So Dick Cavett, corny as hell. Uh, he was in late advanced years. I don't um, know corny as hell. Was uh, he uh, was a really Dick good... Dick Cavett? No, no I, know, I know Dick Cavett. We're Cav- making fun oh, of corny, corny as hell. He was corny as hell. I was going, wow. Is that some sort of performance oh, artist? No, 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 no. Corny as hell was one of my favorite <laughs> comics growing up. That's why I mentioned it. And then Milton Berle. I don't know who that wow. is. Wow, right? And I, I'm not terribly. Uh, now, how did you starts? fit in the elevator with his huge cock? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that was at the. It was at the comedy festival. I in got Aspen. right. I got wow. trapped in an elevator in Montreal with Nora Dunn. Oh. Remember that? I told you that, and it was annoying because we got trapped in there, and she was being such a twat. Like, I mean, oh, it was really? Just like, she was just like. Somebody was pretending to pee or whatever. She, she he better not be peeing in there. So like she was making it really uncomfortable, and it could have. It was a very pleasant experience, other than her. She seems like she might be a humorless person. Yeah, like I guess she's I funny. Guess. She's she she can turn on the funny, but otherwise, I mean, everybody was a little uptight. But you don't need to be going right. crazy. Well, you know, you got to right. relax. You and I, Dave, were at Aspen, um, right in ninety six. Oh, yeah, yeah, ninety seven. Yeah. And um, we were in the big hotel there, and Steve Martin walked by us. <gasps> And Dave just, Dave Juskow, just said, hey. <laughs> and I don't even remember. Oh, I remember this because he stiffened up and he turned to us and he looked at Dave and said, hey. And he turned and looked at me and said, 
Hey, and then he turned and walked away. It was just ice cold. Like, oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, so man, he was, that sounds like something you should remember. He was so maybe unfriendly. I was, maybe I was upset about it or I, something. I just wanted to fall into a crack in the earth. Oh, my. Just, That's the best you could come up I, with? I, I think I. it was probably shocking right, that he right, was walking right. around. I don't remember him even supposed to be there because I remember I was perfectly fine with Karen Allen. And we talked to her for a long time, uh, and she was really lovely. Well, you, we flew back next to Cameron Mannheim. Remember? Right. And she punched you in the arm, I remember. In a, in a, in a, in a friendly a, manner or in well, a... <laughs> she gave me a ride back home. Well, we, we were, we, she was doing a one-woman show there, and this is before she'd been on the practice yeah, and all yeah. that other stuff. And we were talking having a great time, and then she said to Dave, like, do you know Angels in America? You'd be great as Richard. And I don't. I'm not familiar with Angels America, but Dave immediately went, "Oh, Richard!" Ridiculous. Cameron Manheim. Hey, everybody! <laughs> I'm Richard. I'm eight. Yeah, and then she just like that. Yeah. And, and punched him. In the him. All right, no. I but then she gave me a ride home in the cab, so it's all right. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Plus. Um, that was that classic flight out there with uh, Eric, Douglas. The Eric Douglas. The late Eric Douglas. The late Eric Douglas. I recently came upon a note that he wrote me and gave to me on that plane in my files. Really? It was his phone number and where he was going to be staying in Aspen. He didn't and, give uh, me one of the... Oh, why was he giving... Because he was handsome. <laughs> oh, Don't you get it? <laughs> All right, yeah. so he's more handsome than was I he, am. Was he hitting on you? Yes. I don't, I don't know. Of course he was. I don't know, he, but... but I, I didn't call him. Oh well, no, because <laughs> well, right. I just but he re- was ra- he was raising hell on the flight. Too. Yeah, he was raising. I'll never this on the short 9/11. flight. On the short flight. No, no, no. This was the long flight oh, from we, New we, York to Aspen. Yeah, before we, we oh, went okay. on the, the mm-hmm. puddle jumper. I right, think yeah, right, right. But yeah, we were on the flight, and um, I, I always remember because th- this is important to know now. Um, he was making trouble. He had his did he have his dog. He had his flight? dog with him. Yeah, something like that. And and he was just making trouble. And then I was, it was one of those, everybody was fine. It was before 9-11 and I was talking to the stewardess and I was in the back and um, she goes, uh, they, the captain says there's going to be turbulence. Everybody has to sit down. I'm like, oh God, I hate turbulence because we were hitting it off. I mean, the stewardess was nice. And she goes, you hate turbulence? I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm afraid of flying a little. And she goes, there's no turbulence. We want that douchebag to sit down. So the yeah. captain just told him that. I was like, and I was like, boy, that's amazing. Because then you know that maybe sometimes when the captain's saying right, there's right, turbulence, right. Like, maybe there's just a douchebag working up and down this thing. So then he was like, I don't know what's going to happen when I leave this plane. I don't know if there's going to be security waiting for me. I don't know how many police are waiting. Like he was doing it on yeah. purpose for that to be happening. He, he'd he been out. arrested like a year beforehand for right. raising hell on a plane. Right. And, uh, it's funny. I, I, uh, I posted the picture in the note he gave me on Instagram and a guy named Brian Scully who's a longtime Simpsons writer who oh, wrote a right, Family okay, Guy, I know that name. sent me a note saying that he was hired for a little while to help Eric Douglas with his stand-up Material, act. yes. Yeah, I, I, I guess he cast a pretty he, wide net. He wow. Did that to a bunch and, of people, yeah. Did he ever Is there a hashtag Me Too on this? He performed <laughs> at the Boston Comedy Club a couple times. I don't think Catch. I don't know if I know Eric Roberts. He's not... No, uh, Eric Douglas. Douglas. Michael Douglas' Douglas's son. Kirk, right? Kirk Douglas' no. son. Kirk, my, Michael Douglas' oh, okay, brother or brother. Oh, okay. But yeah, he was... Not maybe not a very good comic. He's, I remember. I remember he's taking a, he's a horrible comic. <laughs> I remember taking the short flight from Denver to Aspen, and we and I. Who, do you remember the the executive with HBO, John? Uh, it was again back in the nineties. Heyman. No. no, John. He was a younger guy. I remember, but I always think when I think of the executive HBO, I can only think of the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm. We're like, you want a fucking shrimp boat? Like, I got buy a oh. fucking shrimp boat. When you want a shrimp? Because <laughs> again, the guy from the executive from HBO took the twelve straight. He ate some of it and then gave it back. Do you remember that episode? No, no. That's what I always think of the president of HBO because I don't know whether they used the real president or an actor. Not Michael Fuchs. 
No. Well, I think that's who that, it was supposed to be. That was an HBO ago. exec. Is that the guy you're talking about? No, well, Fuchs was way, okay. way back. But no, anyway, we're just flying out. <laughs> we hit legitimate turbulence. And this guy, as a, and it was pretty rough. And this guy, as a way of, I guess, trying to make us all feel better, he says, well, nobody's ever died from turbulence, which I thought was the stupidest thing you could say because you're right. Nobody's ever died. Mm-hmm. It's from the plane crashing to the ground yeah. when the turbulence snaps. It's over. The, right. <laughs> the turbulence is finished. But right. I remember just on the plane theme, I remember one other thing. Caroline Ray. We were all sitting at the end of the the. Um, I just saw her in Soul Cycle class yesterday. Did you? Well, I, this is one of those moments where you realize there's there's that show business has many different levels, and we all knew Caroline Ray when we were all everybody was in comedy and all that stuff, and she had just had the big shows on on network like or Hope teenage, and Glory or, or teenage like oh, oh Sabrina, Sabrina. Yeah. right yeah. so and she was and so but we we're all hanging out in the uh, in the lobby of the fancy hotel uh, waiting to go car vans were picking us up yeah. to take us to the airport and we're all just kicking it and she's you know it's at the end of this thing we're all kind of tired and we're kind of but and we were talking about our flights back, and then she tells us, "Well, she's getting on the flight the, that ABC's jet is flying her oh, back to New York." Nice. And that's right, and that's when you realize, "Oh, this is you and know that's just for being on." This is when you say, "This is when you say, nice knowing you." But that doesn't you know. make any sense. I'm just saying because Sabrina was a a good show. I mean, I watched every episode, but um, well, I think that she doesn't a- seem like the aunt who plays. You know, Melissa Joan Hart's aunt well, gets a no, but I think she was a, she was a she was a favorite of ABC at the time. She probably had a development, you know, all that stuff. And this is back along. in the days when twenty million people would watch Sabrina, right? That's you know, true. Yeah, I mean, nobody watches too. TV now, so yeah, that's true. You know, well, they watch so. Family Guy, I think. Uh, not to the extent they used to. What what do, what do. does shows like that? Uh, you know, it, it, are you as, are you as uh, driven by ratings today? Or you know, I mean, we are watched in as much as anyone is watches on network. I mean, yeah. we, we we do pretty well, but um, you know, a, a new run will get you know between two or three million people watching, whereas ten years ago it used to be ten, twelve, thir- yeah. thirteen million people wow. watching. But then, aren't don't you also break it out into many different other uh, platforms? Also, yeah. Well, I mean. Uh, two seasons ago, I wrote the season premiere, and I went to Twitter. Which to che- one was that called? Uh, I think it's called The Boys in the Band. Yeah, no, I, I have the other one I think you did, which I don't, I don't have any. Sorry, go ahead. I, I've had two good air, two are in the pipeline. Oh, here it is. This is one you did called, um, the, with the robot. Uh, uh, Guy Robot. Guy that, robot. That was the first one I wrote. To say to you, Brian, besides, I'm busy playing with my new friend. What new friend? <laughs> Is this dog bothering you, Stewie? <laughs> what the hell? You couldn't find a real friend, so you built a robot? Oh, not a robot, Brian. He's a human mind model adaptive supercomputer. I've even programmed him to learn and grow smarter. His name is Lyle. Stewie, perhaps we should offer this guest a beverage. Or simply lift the toilet seat. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. What the hell's going on? What's going on? You've been lied. <laughs> and the best is it cuts to a commercial when they come back, the robot's still playing Gloria, right? Yeah. And, and you and you came up with all that. A, a little, little money to the estate of uh, Laura Brannigan. <laughs> Laura Brannigan, right? But, but That's like, so great. You know, I searched Twitter to see if the kids were talking about tonight's season premiere. Sure. Of, of this network TV show. But all the kids were talking about was that the entire previous season that day had dropped on Netflix and they were really excited to, to right. watch them all. Oh, so okay. no, I mean, the show does really well in syndication and on all these streaming platforms. I mean, it's on TBS, it's on Cartoon Network. It's so does I, that aggregate 
fit into what your ratings are? Does that all? I mean, I, mean, I don't I, know. What the, I think ultimately it does the, because yeah. well, the, 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 Seth MacFarlane is beloved there. He can, so they just give him whatever he wants, right? I mean, yeah. Well, because he doesn't even show up for work anymore. I was I was at I was at one of the readings. Oh, really? Yeah, and he just phoned it in. I mean, literally. I mean, he had it on speakerphone because he has uh, other projects. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's doing. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's pretty. Yeah, he's uh, doing the American. Uh, Dead, but then now he's got the Orville and everything, yeah. which is yeah, you know he's, great. He's pretty. I talked. I, I talked to Patrick Warburton, and he said, uh, "I'm doing the uh, the Orville." You know, I figure I'll be. You know, I like Seth and whatever. You know, it, was, it was really fun. Met him at the Devil's Game. I showed you. I that's right. That that's really, and th- that made the news. Yeah, because it was so exciting. He was dressed up as David Putty. I mean, technically as his character of the Devil's Game. Yeah, that's really funny. It was really really cool because the Devils hadn't made the playoffs in like five. Years, so it was really cool. They how did he dress in. up as David Putty? You're not assigned for you. Really no, I am. But how, no, no, no. no but, I, um, but he dressed. No, he, dr- he, he dressed in oh, the episode right. that he first came With in. The he mat. That's right. Def- as a Devils mm-hmm. fan, right, 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 right. I think that's how right. I became a Devils fan from that episode. <laughs> right, I'm like, I right, want right. to be like that because David Putty's from New Jersey, and I want to be like that. But he was nothing but delightful. That guy. Oh yeah, really nice, awfully nice guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. What were you? Sorry. Oh, I mean, I I think. If not a ton of people are watching it now, unlike a lot of shows, there's money down the road in that it just syndicates everywhere and it shows all over the. And it seems like whenever kids turn 13, they suddenly discover this show it's and true. go back. My nephew, yeah, yeah. my nephew's obsessed with it. He's 15 when yeah. he discovered it at 13. He loves it, and we laugh about it all the time. And it's something we can completely bond upon. You know, like something. Yeah. That's well, great. And it's also super meme friendly too, isn't mm-hmm. it? There's various lines from it with Stewie and the dad. It's and fucking all brilliant. And quite frankly, I mean, my favorite character was actually Vinny, who they don't have on. I anymore. don't know how to choose oh. between all these dogs. Hey, you green pants. I hear you're looking for a dog or something. <laughs> Finally, someone who sounds like they went to college. Hi, I'm Vinny. Vinny. Oh, Vinny, like the poo. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So what's your story? Well, you know, I'm just a regular guy. You throw a stick, maybe I bring it back. Maybe I bring back an iPhone that fell off a truck. So I, I fucking, Who I, did that voice? Who is it? The guy uh, from The Sopranos. Uh, pa- Paulie Walnuts. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Tony oh, Sirico? Wow. That yeah, that's something? right. Um, who was in uh, Broadway Danny Rose. Broadway Danny Rose and like five other Woody Allen films. Mm-hmm. And he's done time. Oh, oh yeah. Like in the early 70s. In between. He's right. also in Goodfellas yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the real deal, that guy. He, yeah, like, he's a real, but he's a real actor as well, because yeah. he's done much more work than people who haven't been to prison, Yeah, right? yeah. which yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the, the acting hobby might have been a good He took the Danny him. Trejo. But the best thing about, <laughs> the best thing about um, Family Guy also is that like this season, now that you're working on it and everything, um, and it really is probably my favorite show on television, besides that uh, magician that solves crimes. Um, <laughs> what's that? Deception. Oh. Oh, I don't. What, oh, what's you, that you, on? You, okay. Chris, you, I'll, I'll you have sex with girls. You, just, <laughs> like, you, you don't understand. Wasn't there a so, show with Bill Bixby? Yeah. The, there it where is. he was a magician? Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Paul loves this. Uh, what are you calling this all up on? Uh, wait, here, here it is. Uh, my computer. Nope. Here, this is the Bill Bixby thing. The Magician. This is the theme. Wow. So this is the theme song. And here, uh, I just, I have a stick in there with all my clips on it. But wait, here's the ending, which is, oh wait, this is the thing. So at the end. All of the magic you're about to see is performed without trick photography of any kind by Bill Bixby, the magician. (laughs) See, I knew you would know it. It's like my favorite show of all time. So the fact that there's another magic, we were just talking about this for an hour on the last podcast. Like, and Sharon's like, I have no idea what's happening here. <laughs> Can I tell a quick Danny Trejo story? Please. Um, you know, he's got these Trejo, Trejo's tacos, this chain in town. Yeah. yeah. And um, a couple weeks ago, I was seeing a show, a couple months ago, 
the hotel cafe on Cahuenga. Ka- <laughs> um, and there's a Trejo's taco across. And I was yeah. going to meet my friend. I'm like, why don't you meet me at Trejo's tacos? You know, cheesy, blah, blah, blah. And I go in there and a man comes up to me and like, table for one. And I turn, it's Danny Trejo. And he has like, two, he has a menu under his arm. And I'm like, oh, it'll be two. <laughs> he uh, was the host? Yeah. No we, way. We sit at the bar. And I was sitting at the bar with my friend. He was busting tables. He was greeting people. Oh, he was seated. Goodness. He was That's the right thing off. to do. It was amazing. Do you have a place like table that? for one? Uh, it's That's like, why all those other places went under. Like, because Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't going to do that. Right, at the, right. You know, Cafe Hollywood. Doesn't or Ash, Hollywood. Ashton Kutcher owns Katsuya or something? Does he? That's what I heard. I could be. But I remember going to Joe Franklin's Nostalgia Lounge oh and God. seeing Joe Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> was that in the city? Yeah, yeah. Like that I was like where that Beefsteak Charlie's was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty yeah. eighth and the ninth, uh, right? Forty eighth and eighth. Forty uh, fifth and eighth. And then there was a comedy club in the back for a little while. Right. It was like Joe Franklin's Laugh Lounge or right, something. Right, where like uh, Gladys moved her show, I think. <laughs> yes, maybe, yeah. uh-huh. or, or at least <laughs> I it, saw it was Gladys, Gladys Simon Caliber. the other day. I thought she was dead for sure. You know, like when you first start out in comedy. Arthur of New York is dead. Arthur, what? That was like her co-host, the guy with the hair Oh, piece. it was? Yeah, oh. It, he has passed. We when, when we all first started out, you we were playing these small rooms, as Gladys had the only open mic in town, really. So everybody played there. But it's funny when you start out and you're in your 20s, uh, and then you just assume somebody who's older runs a club who's in the 50s, you just assume they're dead. Yeah. You're like, like your school teachers. How could they possibly right, still right, be alive? Right. It turns out they're probably only 10 years older than us. Annie Berman is dead. Remember her? N- Andy Berman? A- Annie Berman? I, that rings a bell. She was this old lady yeah. who, because I, I started in 96 doing stand-up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Sounding like elderly Groucho, right? Right. Um, it sounds fishy to me. <laughs> my denture is to start whistling. Groucho, I understand um, you've been fishing. But uh, <laughs> a- a- Annie Berman was maybe in her early 60s. Sounds so familiar. And, but yeah. she did the same five minutes all the time. And she would always get to the stage and say, you know, whoever the host was, you know, all right, William came up here and asked me to do a tight five minutes. I said, honey, at my age, there ain't nothing on me that's tight. And, like, and the, the audience didn't laugh right away. You people are slow as shit. Anyway, I'm working at Bloomingdale. A guy comes up to me and says, "Where can I buy felt at the yard?" No, no it. Where can I get felt by the yard? And I said, "Honey, if you don't tell me, you know, there's, there's all stuff like that." And this sounds vaguely familiar. I know. She, I feel like she, yeah, she yeah. was a squat kind of uh, yeah. a, a Jewish American old lady with, with yeah. black Wait, hair. Are you and a, talking a about purse? me or Annie Berman? No. Annie Berman. <laughs> but, I couldn't um, really go either way. I, but, th- I may have derailed us from. No, you didn't. Went to Trejo to family. What did guy. you think of Trejo? Did you eat guy. at Trejo's? I had a uh, I had some margaritas. They're very oh, okay. good. Yeah, the yeah. tacos. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because nice they opened vibe. up a place near us in Pasadena, and uh, okay. It's, oh, uh, wait. I know. I'm sorry. Now I know what I wanted to talk about. It was the thing about Family Guy, which when Brian moved out of the house and he was living alone this season, uh-huh. in an apartment. The best part, right? He moved in an apartment, is that it continued next week. Yeah, that was like my favorite thing I've ever seen <laughs> in a cartoon. Because it, it, it continued. It was a part that, one and part two. It wasn't even a part two. They didn't even. It wasn't continued. <laughs> it's just like the next episode. So like with Vinny, it, Brian was dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, and then the next episode, he was still living in this apartment. <laughs> yeah. It was fantastic. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought I had missed an episode. No, no, no. No, he was, he, I was a, that. he was an outcast for a while. That was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, you. that's the kind of thing. It's like if you're doing a show that's running 15 years, you've got to come up. And the episode with uh, Ian McCallan. Uh, and, and Stewie. Yeah. The, the, the no commercial half hour. Uh, well, I remember when. When I, I was more friendly with Alex Sulkin, okay, um, and he told me about the big one-hour episode that they did in the bank vault. I think that was a half hour too. Oh, was it a half hour? But, no, but it was another. Just, but it went longer. 
Okay. It uh, went longer, and they, they let them go like 40 minutes. It was written by the, the same writer, Gary Janetti. Is that right? He, yeah. So he writes the, uh, he's the guy that writes, writes the, he, the big he, ones. He the does epics. our two-handers, uh, <laughs> as they say. I mean, um, that one was only Brian and Stewie. Right. I'm sorry if my recola is rattling around oh, my okay. mouth. And uh, yeah, this one was just uh, Stewie and Serene McKellen, who Gary had worked with. Gary created a show called Vicious that was on... British TV that came on public TV here that starred Serene McKellen and Sir Derek Jacobi. Oh, wow. As two. I didn't know he was still alive. No, yeah, there's still... Uh, he's, br- the, he's the one guy you think of when you think of Hamlet. Well, I Claudius too. Do you remember I Claudius? Oh, man. Yeah. Have you watched that recently? I have. And, but but do you remember watching when we were kids? I was always waiting for the for the Caligula episode. The Caligula <laughs> episodes are so great. Um, <laughs> but for public television in the 70s, it was so... I remember when it came on, I certainly didn't I didn't have the attention span for it. I was watching The Magician. That's I know. What I, that was my... <laughs> I know, but this was, this was How's sexy. How's he going to solve a crime this week? This was sexy. Yeah. Um, I but, wasn't ready for that. No, right. I told you, my dad wouldn't even take me to see Three Days of the Condor. <laughs> I sold an animated show to TBS it's not going forward, um, about Caligula. And uh, I just kind of overdosed all sorts of Caligula stuff and writing it. And those Caligula episodes with John Hurt are amazing. Really, right. Really and good. Do you remember, and so remember the Penthouse produced? I saw that Bob too. Duccione. With Malcolm McDowell. Right. That's, that's a little hard to get through. I, uh, well, because it gets kind of gnarly. Uh, it, oh, with it, Malcolm McDowell, that was rated X. Are you saying yeah. are you saying hard to get through because it's so poorly done? It's or? dull. I mean, oh, like okay. after a while okay. on, on the Xbox, slow. I just crank, uh, okay. cranked up okay. the speed a little. Yeah. So everybody it's would slow, just... but it was rated X when it came out. Sure. Like well, because it does. Cause and in fact, I think that ruined his career a little bit. Kind of Gucci's. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, a little bit for a I, while. I think he was paid pretty well, but it's. But I'm saying he 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 had trouble getting work after that because it was such a controversial movie. Yeah, and it's it's not good. And it's, in the credits, because Gore Vidal wrote a screenplay about Caligula right. that Bob Guccione bought. And then they got to Italy, and Guccione hired all these porn people, and Gorvidal went home immediately. And uh, in the opening credits, it says, uh, the screenwriting credit, it reads, based on a screenplay by Gorvidal. Uh, oh, like nobody right. is given a screenplay credit. <laughs> this is the movie yeah. Caligula. Yeah, the movie right, Caligula. Right, right. I'm just saying, I just noticed that he might have been run out of the business money because his next role was playing uh, David Cassidy's father in the biopic of uh, <laughs> were, Jack Cassidy. Quite a few years. I didn't want to no, say anything, no. but it's just like, you know. time after time. Yeah, no, I know. Right, right. <laughs> it's funnier the other way, though. But his next role was playing Jack Cassidy. who <laughs> was in every Columbo episode and known to man. That's right. <laughs> uh, an evil conductor, an evil tennis player. Well, wasn't Jack Cassidy, well, he had that mustache, that's yeah. why. Cassidy was married to... Shirley Jones, Shirley Jones. Right. weren't yeah. they the Brad and and uh, maybe an Angelina at Angelina their time. of their would, time? But like David Cassidy and Sean Cassidy, I think are are half brothers. Like yeah, Shirley, you're right. Shirley Jones isn't David Cassidy's mom. Oh, right, that's his stepmom. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, but Sean is is yeah. Shirley Jones's kid. Now, Sean, do you ever have dealings with him? Because he's a big producer now, right? No, no. If only. I mean, yeah, he's, he's doing well. Oh, really? He's, yeah, he's he's had a couple of shows on the air. Um, I was obsessed with him because that song in the seventies, "To Do Run Run," was my favorite song. <laughs> I was obsessed with and him. Let alone the Hardy Boys and him right. and Parker Stevenson. Right. They I were had, terrific. I have some very very unhealthy thoughts about that. <laughs> you did, you little minx. <laughs> I, if it, Tiger Beat was my life back then. Uh, <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> is there still a Tiger Beat? Yes, there is. Right. I mean, I've heard. I've heard, I've heard, heard there was. Called, I heard yeah, there was. Is it just the internet? I was now? just going to say, okay. right. Yeah. And and they can find You can't just randomly look at. Uh, well, let me just talk some more uh, about Chris Regan. <laughs> right. And it's, um, I mean, you do have a very interesting life and you still act, as we know. Very because, occasionally. Uh, what? Yes, yes, because very this, this is the weird thing. 
um, both of us landed on a show about stand-up comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So right. go figure. These two guys from they both on the, on the rival shows. One's on HBO, one's on Showtime. This is well, this, this is Chris. Well, let me. Let me this is uh, from the Odd Couple. Felix, am I on? Uh, no, Uncle Chester. We ran out of time. That's it. You're out of my will. <laughs> Felix, look, we don't want you to be upset. Why don't you come on stage with us? What do you want me on for? I don't know any funny marching band story. Okay, if you don't want, I'll go on. <laughs> this is an episode of The Outcome with Monty Hall, right. where Monty Hall has his uh, song, and then, of course, he steals Philip's song. I'll let it play because I just like it so much. Thank you. Well, it's just funny because it's such an old-fashioned show. Now, he just goes out and it's like, and you're on. (laughs) Folks, I'd like to end each show with you. Have a seat right over here. Oscar, have a seat. And now for my closing number. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to uh, introduce you to a song that I just dug up, and I think it suits me so well, I'm going to use it for my closing theme every week. Al? One, two. And then they have like Felix's fake because he just ripped it off and like Oscar's just like that's what makes the show so great because Oscar's is still his best pal as annoying as Felix is it's kind of like our relationship Oscar was still upset that he knew what was happening and right, Felix right. was going to be crushed right so that's what makes the show feel great anyway this guy Chris Regan over here um, ends up being on I'm Dying Up Here playing Monty Hall from the 70s. Here's America's top trader, TV's big dealer, Monty Hall. And it's Chris Regan, everybody. What? <laughs> Talking to the audience. Yeah. Right. right. Unless you want to speak with six and living. Get excited. Bonnie only chooses excited people. Don't breathe. Okay, I already don't hate myself enough. The yoke's on you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. What do we have here? What do we have here? What's that? Not scared to crow for a deal. I'm not, Bonnie. All right. Ron Shack. Good name. Uh, Ron Shack, will you crow for me? Cool, cool. Not bad. Come on. <laughs> It's so great. I mean, you're doing an invitation, too. Like, yeah, no, you, it, but hold on. What show is this? Don't, don't worry about it. it. <laughs> it's on Showtime. It's called I'm Dying Up Here. It's the I, Jim Carrey's version of his starting comedy. It It's kind of based on Mitzi Shore. Oh, okay. And like the, right. the 1970s comedy scene in New York. And, okay. Uh, and right. So it's his, it's his version of what Pete uh, uh, Holmes is doing with Got Crashing, okay. which yeah, is his okay. version mm-hmm. of starting out. And then this is... Jim Carrey's version of that's why it takes place in the seventies or um, Pete Holmes. Can we now. take a moment and appreciate his um, uh, scene in crashing his opening scene in crashing? Oh, Dave's absolutely I, oh, shirtless. Was, uh, right. Yep. <laughs> Fell <laughs> off the couch. A lot of balls. <laughs> Fell off the couch when I saw that. I get a lot of dates from that. Uh, <laughs> when I was at that restaurant in Staten Island, I was like, I know you from somewhere. And it's like crashing. And I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, I, and I know they've seen my boobs. I haven't gotten, rec- I haven't gotten recognized as Monty Hall anywhere. Oh, well, it's, well, I was, you know, they recognize what I'm saying is like, I know that they've seen my boobs. So now I know how a woman feels when she's been in a movie. I'm sure you and do. They see her, no, sure I know exactly do. how it. Was it a closed set? <laughs> Let me tell you something about acting, William. That might be the greatest acting job I have ever done. Right. Pretending that I was completely okay walking around in that towel with 40 people staring right. at me like right. that. That's acting. Right. Because I was devastated. I don't want to. I'm always trying to cover up to. 
I know I'm fat, but try and try and look slimming. Try. That's why I'm amazed at Jeff Ross. This guy just doesn't give a shit at all. Well, that's his care. brand. That's his brand. I know, but it's just like I am trying. But at, listen, at a certain age, we just it is well, what it is. I am still trying to because Ugh. I'm still looking for a, a young lady. You are. We know that. <laughs> or, but hold on, Chris. Are you doing more uh, acting work as well? No, I well, mean when it comes up. Though, this right? was one of the few things I've ever been in where I didn't know the writer. Like normally I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm called upon to do an under five or something. But what happened with this was a friend of mine named Julia Sharp created this show called Making History for Fox. That was on last season. Oh, yeah. And I auditioned to play John Hancock in it. And uh, I went to Neil Casey. He was a very, very funny guy. Um, and I didn't get it. But the next day, the casting agency got a breakdown for Monty Hall in the 1970s. And I was called immediately. Wow. And I went in and it was Wolf It's Man- sort of a perfect casting. I, you know... Oh, well, why, I, why? Why did they think of you for that? I mean, just why? I, 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 mean, I don't know. Oh. I mean, I'm. I think I'm good at acting unnaturally because I only ever play. But do you have a physical? You do. In, you have a physical, and you absolutely have the voice. You yeah. have the yeah yeah. So, but, so but a I, good casting agent figured that out. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, was it Bernie Telsey. Oh, no, well, there that, you go. That, who was? Yeah. It? And um, it's in New York though. But they, they have a, a West Coast okay. branch as well. And um, I went in on Wolfman Jack Day. Like everybody in the casting agency was auditioning to be Wolfman Jack. Wow. So there's all these fat guys with beards sure, sure, and me. Sure. <laughs> and uh, I went in, no callback or anything. I I just got the job. But is that is it so do you have any is that like do you pursue that or is that just eh, I'll do it when it No, I, I don't put like I I have a manager, and you know they were the ones who were contacted and alerted me to it. And I this, love that though. What a great little kind of yeah. No, I mean it's a it's a great perk, you know, on the sides. I do some voices on Family Guy here and there, oh, okay, but okay. it's it's hard just to be an actor. Uh, you know, it's yeah. funny <laughs> it's when I when I get when they the way I get called sometimes is like. We need somebody that's so obnoxious, <laughs> like you know, an actor. Somebody who's like, you know, I'm like, well, actually, I know a guy that's actually he's not acting. He's like, I mean, that's how I get parts. They're like, we need a guy that's so rude and obnoxious. Like that's what happened with Sarah's show for sure. They're like, they have um, every time I do a show, they have uh, outtakes where they're talking about like, well, how did you cast Dave Jessica? Oh, there was no casting. We just <laughs> well, we needed we needed, we needed the most Dave. obnoxious person, or, and they they show them uh, like on the monitor. Sarah says like like yeah, we were looking. at They're like you know I know guys like this. They're like yeah, you're looking at him right there. He's like this is not acting. <laughs> and then with the um, did you audition for Crashing or did you they just no they just to you. they just offered it to nice. me. nice and uh, that's the funny thing too is that um, w- again with uh, Pete they on the DVD they have. Uh, like a behind the scenes, like what what day did you laugh the hardest? Or like, it was the scene with Dave Jessica when he comes out in that towel and his boobs are all over the place. I'm like, this stinks. <laughs> I hate that show. But it's a good show. I no, know. I, I actually, it's funny because yeah, I, I, what do you think about it as far as capturing that? You know, uh, uh, it kind of nails it, it and does. It, it is it does. also on a nostalgia angle. It's nice to see all those places again. Yeah. I mean, it's been a yeah. long time since well, I've you know, they like rebuilt that. the Boston re- Comedy Club for that. They rebuilt That's it. That's not he the Boston Comedy Club? No, I thought it was. Wow. No, it's a Chinese restaurant now. He had them rebuild it, which I can't figure out why. I'm like, I don't know why it's necessary to rebuild it because nobody knows what is it Is there no like. longer a Boston Comedy Club? No. Really? Yeah, it's a Chinese restaurant. When did it close? Ten years ago. Really? <laughs> oh, right. Maybe like I've seven, been, eight I've years ago. Wow. Well, you have been gone a long time. When did you leave New York? 2007. Oh, that's not that long. It was 10 uh, years now. But yeah. yeah, so it's probably been closed since 2008. Wow. No, but I mean, they did a good job. 
And, and, and that guy, I, yeah, they did an amazing job. It's out in um, Queens somewhere. And that guy, so. Dove Davidov, is really, really Isn't funny. Isn't he terrific? He's great. He, first he's, of all, is he the manager? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is first he of all, supposed I, to be somebody? Is he, He's not supposed to be... No, no. He's uh, just, suppo- he's just a, a character that I think he came up with okay. in the sense of Every club, being a perfect club owner manager, who's right. like kind of a dick and who wants right. to be a comic, but he's yeah. also not a dick. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he played it perfect. He's a really good actor. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it shows. Yeah. Um, uh, meanwhile, I sent a friend to Comedy Cellar last night, this girl who was like, can you get us in, whatever, what's the best day to go? And I said, the Saturday 1030 show has all my friends on it. It was a tell and okay. dove. And she wrote me back today, this morning, and said, dove dove, dove. We, we were dying. He's amazing. Yeah. Now, yeah. I've known this guy for many years. Mm-hmm. Never seen his act. And I've been doing uh, Tom Papa's show a lot lately, and he's been doing Time, and it's amazing. It's different than a Tom a Papa lot. does a stand-up show? He does a show called Come to Papa, which is like a <laughs> NPR kind of like oh, a, okay. like a right, that's right. how we got the job in the Prairie Home Companion, which they renamed to okay, anywhere yeah, from yeah. here now. It's it's not perverted The anymore. sexual, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he does a show like that where it's reading off the script. That's how I got the idea to do, like, my shows, The Godfather and stuff, because okay. he's reading off a script in front of the audience, and they have, it's very light, and then he has comics in between. This Dove Davidoff, I mean, he's doing, like, a, a different brand of comedy that's so interesting and different. I'd never seen it before all these years, and it's so good. And it's so not what you would expect from this kind of tough guy. Um, it's very – it's it's really interesting. I, I highly recommend seeing a performance of his. It's a, I was surprised. Yeah. After and, knowing him. You know, when you know somebody for a long time, you've actually never seen their act. Or it could work the opposite way where they're like, yeah, oh, my yeah, God, yeah, that yeah, guy's yeah, horrible. Yeah. That's what people say to me. It's good to see, like, Rachel – uh, uh, Feinstein, Feinstein there and Feinstein, uh, D- 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 Feinstein sorry, and D- Dan Natterman and all time. those people. Right. Well, that's not the fun. It's like everybody. And, yeah. 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 They, uh, they always uh, give him a shout out, at least one episode of it and stuff like that. So they, so every, Rachel, it's funny, Rachel, I didn't even know I cast her as Apollonia and uh, Natterman was Michael Corleone together in The Godfather. <laughs> when we're doing it. And she goes, everybody always thinks we're husband and wife. They cast us that like all the time. So in Crashing, everybody thinks they're dating. Because they're always together. Right. It's just right. a coincidence. Yeah. Hilarious. But meanwhile, this guy, he he gives nothing. She's like, he gives nothing. You know, where <laughs> like, remember you told us, like, can you just stare into my eyes? He can't even look at me. We're supposed to be in love. He's supposed to be undressing me. William, did you manage Natterman back no, in those days? No. Did, we, did, we became friendly. Very I friendly. found, I discovered Natterman. Okay. Yeah. And then took him kind of under my wing. I mean, I We put I him I up a lot. Of say that. So I, I. Because I wasn't up. sure I, if it catch you were managing some of those people. I know that like, at Caroline's. Caroline's would manage comics, right? Yes. Like they used to manage you. Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been forgiven? Absolutely. It's really Really? funny. Um, It's taken 20 years. Okay. But um, we're all good again. Like Caroline and I are very friendly again. Wow. And she's like, can we get him here? Like Louis Ferrandez like, hey, you should do a show here. Wait, is Louis Ferrandez still? Yeah, he's still there. No. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he, wow. But he goes, he's like, come on, well, yeah, I want to have lunch with you. We'll talk a little, we'll flirt a little, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do what? Do you know, it's the Me Too movement. But, um, yeah, no, we're all good again. And I, I can't tell you, I mean, that was a real bad, I mean, that kind of ruined my whatever career I was going to have. Uh-huh. Um, definitely derailed it. And because there's nothing worse than when you're actually not in show business and you're seeing the worst part of show business. Right. And I, I don't think I ever recovered. I mean, well, why that's how I got mad? to catch was, and everything. Something but, about Aspen, they were mad at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they weren't mad at me. They were mad because I wanted to leave because, you know, Dorfman. Oh, okay. Okay. Know, so. and, all right. No, it's, I, I talk about it all the time, so it's okay. But I'm, I'm just, I, I can't, Caroline and I were pretty close. And we would have dinner all the time, remember, with that incident and everything. And um, <laughs> But now we're, what? like, kind of back, and it, and it really makes me feel good. And I'm glad oh, we're good. talking again and stuff. And I, I, I 
loved that club. It's, it's funny because it's so weird because if that didn't happen, like if I didn't get sued by them and, uh, you know, got, I, I mean, I knew you already, but you brought me over to catch because you knew I was having a lot of trouble right, and you introduced right. me to Newman and that kind of really picked me up when that was a very dark time and anybody's mm-hmm. life was trying to make it as a, right. a comedian and things were going really well at that time. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't have met, I mean, I would have met you, but I wouldn't have met Newman. Well, we met, and we would have been friends. No, no, I know, but I'm saying that. I wouldn't right. have, uh, I wouldn't have met the lovely Sklar brother. I'm right. just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, but no, I wouldn't have met those wait, pe- the, the wait staff there. I've been to their weddings. I'm right, still like so really funny. close with them. So I always wonder, I'm like, I don't know, maybe would have been better off not meeting them and just being successful. Or... And weirdly, that was the darkest time of my life. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I, I had stopped managing. One of us I, has I, to have a dark time yeah, at all I had times. jumped out of all of that mm-hmm. and was was independently producing for a year. And then Rick Newman and I started talking, and I thought I'd come in and transform Catch because yeah. I knew all the alternative comedy things. And that's, where, that's how, um, I mean, technically... Uh, I guess I brought you in to catch. Yep. And then yeah. you met your wife. No, no, that wasn't until a couple years later. But didn't she was working to catch? Yeah, the, yeah. The, no, no, yeah, she with that other girl, right? Yeah, she was in an act. They used to perform there all the time. But I, I didn't know her then. Oh. I didn't meet her until 1998. Oh, that's so. so funny. Mm-hmm. I oh, thought okay. uh, I thought you met her there. That's nope. why I just assumed because they were very prominent there. Well, the best part about catch, and we've talked about this before, it's just so funny. I really had run of the place thanks to you. Yeah, and yeah, Rick yeah. really liked me a lot. But it, it's so funny because, you know, I had this really great reputation, which I kind of, you know, have now. But it's like this, uh, you know, I heard this guy used to be great because I had one good performance in 1996 <laughs> and I just rested on those laurels. Uh-huh. So when I was at Catch, you know, I would just drink and drink. And they're like, we really need another comic. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. All right, I'll go on. And I would bomb. And all the staff was like, he's bombing on purpose. It's so hilarious. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Meanwhile, I just stink. But did, were you there, did you perform there, or would you come? I feel I, like I would do like I would feed lines during right. during the the show you used to do the there. loft. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but I, I never, thought you also did stand up too there. I did, but there were bringer bringer shows like yeah. bring twenty or thirty people. Oh. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, essentially tax the patience of all your dearest friends. <laughs> and uh, if you brought the most people, you went on last. Those. But I, were you I at imagine. that time considering yourself, well, you were you were in advertising, but looking in, looking afar to... Yeah, yeah, because I was doing stand-up and sketch, and uh, then I booked a TV commercial in 1998 or so that was a national spot. And then... Everyone was the record, it a laundry detergent? It was Puff's facial tissues. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I remember. And um, <laughs> everyone at the record company then saw the commercial all the time, and then they were real dicks to me because they all really? of a sudden realized, like, oh, this guy doesn't care about advertising. Wow, oh, yeah. And then I began to um, sell jokes to uh, Colin Quinn on Weekend Update. Oh, and um, and uh, John Stewart started the Daily Show, and he asked Colin for new writers because he wasn't too keen on the writers that were there. They weren't getting along terribly well. And Colin, who I'd never met at the time, gave my name to John, and uh, I I got hired that way. Have you ever so, have you yeah, shared yeah. that? Does Colin know that I I did? Well, well I mean, we would. Uh, I set that I, up. I, I, we just be so bold as to say. <laughs> we yeah. uh, well, I, uh, Alex Sulkin gave me the number. No, to Colin the, Quinn at the beginning. Yeah, the, Alex Sulkin gave me the fax number. Alex Sulkin, you knew yeah. him all the way back. then? I did. No, 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 no. That's not how it happened. I put you in so, touch with Tom Johnson. 
and Suzanne Fagel, and they were able to get your stuff to Colin Quinn. Well, yeah, I submitted my packet through Tom, but right. Colin put in a good word with me with John. Oh, right. Alec was working on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I forgot yeah, he about was a that. PA or something. He's my boss now in Family Guy. Isn't ah, that the funniest? Yeah. That, that's why I got confused. I kept forgetting he worked on SNL for a while. But, but yeah, um, Alec and I did stand-up together, and a lot of my stand-up was topical, and he he just had the fax number of Weekend Update. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he gave it to yeah, me. He used and the fax it, in. And things like I had... You got like a joke on like right away, too. I remember. Yeah. It was but, very but exciting. Was like I had really good friends who had the fax number who wouldn't give it to me. And, Al, and Alec was a guy I knew just in passing, and he scrawled it down in a napkin and gave it to me, and I, I just started faxing. I thought you were a brilliant writer, and I really wanted to help, and I liked you a lot, so I was totally looking for that fax number. Because <laughs> I, I, I was just like, this is what he needs to be doing. You know I was a huge supporter of yours, of and you know I still am, heavily. That. And that's why it's funny, because you keep going on shows. Like I was always following you around where you were on like shows of friends of mine, mm-hmm. like when you were on Jeff Ross's show, which I didn't even know you were working oh, on. Oh, on The Burn. Because right. sometimes we go for not speaking for a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you were on The Burn. And I'm just like, wait, we can work. and I saw your name because Jeff always wants me to come to the writer's room because, you know, I laugh like a hyena. So, um, <laughs> and I saw your name. I'm like, is that the, because you had an AOL address. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know that your email came up. I'm oh, like, yeah. Is that Chris Regan? Is he? I don't even know what I said. Is he, is he from Ithaca? Whatever. Like, <laughs> and they're like, I think he went to Ithaca. Like, and then I went downstairs and you already disappeared. Like every time I went to somewhere, like I think you were doing something or I was trying to help you with the, um, the producer from uh, Morty, from uh, Letterman. Oh, Rob uh, Morton. Ro- uh, yeah, I, I, I worked with him on a... Lopez tonight for a little while. Right, oh. right, right. I know. I'm sorry, but uh, I mean, I just like I was like oh, we were trying to find. You always, you always disappeared when I got there, and I'm like, oh, I want to say hello to him. He's my friend, you know. So I have, I, I think I talked to you about this before. I saw, uh, I always had a dim opinion of George Lopez's comedy until mm-hmm. I saw an hour special of his. Okay, I think it was Mex, uh, Mex American or something. Okay. It, it I have to say, I, and I wasn't high. I wasn't. Anything. It was an hour of one of I thought the best stand up. Do you really think uh, that's what Chris wants to hear right now? No, no, no. No, I'm, I mean you're like the worst co-host ever. I want to hear what William was saying. No, and no. Mike I, Douglas used to have John Lennon on it, and, and, and I watched it twice. And okay, the first time, the second time, maybe I wasn't as okay. intensely like, oh my god, he just you know. But am I? Am I? Is that? What is your... Yes, you're making a fool out of yourself. Am I? No, uh, I'm just kidding. What, what, I'm what, is, what is my what, William? I don't know. We're, we're going to ignore you... David for a little yeah, while. Yeah, ignore me. Did he... Is, does he have... The, you know, was this like a moment of of him rolling out all of his best material and it's not been... Oh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the show as a barometer of what his abilities are. Okay, that's um, what I thought. Yeah. He's a very good comic. I mean, yeah. he's a, he's, you know, there are some guys, it's like we used to talk about Mark Maron all the time when he used to actually do the loft and people hated him because, you know, his personality, yeah. you know, whatever. But I said, but this guy, you don't understand, he's a professional. Yeah. Like he's a professional. Yeah. He knows how to get the job done and it, and that's and that's what made him so great for me. And, you know, with Kevin Brennan is the same way in a way. I mean, this guy's, I mean, he's a handful. But I mean, the guy is a professional comedian. He's really good at what he does. And that's like uh, the bottom. Well, with Kevin, it's a totally different. Yeah. And I mean, you watch a guy with George with the crowd and you really see. That's what it was. A gift and an engagement. Right. That that isn't anything you can sort of learn. You know, you kind of have to have to have it. I've seen other specials of his and they haven't been nearly. But but this one was just on point. Well, first of all, it's very difficult to do. I mean, we talk about this all the time with David Tell is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. David Tell through the comic circuit, gets the absolute respect he has deserved. Right. Yeah. He's the best there is, and anyone will tell you that. 
But the public doesn't, you know, unless they really get him, his TV specials aren't as good as seeing him live at the Comedy Cellar at 2 in the morning on a Tuesday, you know, or something yeah. like that. And it's problematic because it just doesn't come off for some reason when he does these specials. You know, George was always funniest during rehearsal. He, you know, yeah. <laughs> just read this stuff, had this very well, this is how dry, funny. this very dry, oh, sardonic yeah. delivery, and he was hilarious. And they put him in this studio that took up an entire soundstage at Warner Brothers, this massive, like, Zeppelin hangar that we were right. in, where comedy would just get lost, oh, like, as okay. soon as it traveled right. a foot away from anybody. You're and talking was, about his his variety show? Yeah, right, yeah, right, of right. L- L- Lopez Tonight. So, right. yeah, I... Yeah, that that that, oof, that was that was a bad experience. I quit okay. that after season one without a job to go. Oh. It was so horrible. Okay. My, uh, I was you know friends with Ken Ober and oh, yeah. um, who's the Blaine Capatch, and yes. they were working on Carlos Mencia's show. Okay, so if you think that that was bad, <laughs> um, Ken Ober actually died to get out of that. Uh, Did he company. die while he yeah, was on it? No, I think like a month later. Oh. I mean, I think he died while he was maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't know while it was, while it was right there. Oh. It was during that time. Poor he was guy. a great guy. Yeah. I really liked him very much. And I like Blank Patch very much. He's a really good writer. Do you see him at all? Do you know yeah, him? Yeah, I bump into him occasionally out here. He used to uh, host like the, uh, the roller derby. Yes, I know that and, because I host the roller derby in my town, you know, in New Jersey. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, yeah. The Dirty Jersey Roller Derby Girls. Where's that? In um, Metuchen, New Jersey, where I grew up. <laughs> so it's really wow. funny. Yeah, that's how I... Is it a flat track or a slope It's a flat track. track. Okay. Does he do the slope? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would like to do. Because mine is so boring. These girls, they're very nice, but they it's dull. My and niece they, is a is a roller derby girl. The, the, oh, the slope Muncie, one, Indiana. I think the slope yeah. one is much more entertaining. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They can really get some speed. That, that's the derby dolls in historic Filipino town. <laughs> um, but Culver City has a flat track. Uh, th- there's a couple of different, but yeah, but yeah, he used to call them all the time. Well, and, uh, I was calling them too. And then they were getting really politically correct. So there was like, problem, oh, you know, and I would just mentioned something about like, do you think Caitlyn Jenner's allowed to join this? <laughs> and then they'd be angry about that. I'm like, that seems like a legitimate question people would ask. <laughs> Did you play any clips from Bad News Bears? While you were doing <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe not that particular one, but I'm like, something is that, that a thing though, that the calling these, uh, yeah. these events? Oh, yeah. Like he would, he would do most of the calling and then he would have. Uh, a scorer who would kind of fill in some of the details. How interesting. And, uh, right, so I think we, we do the usually, color commentary. Yeah, and there'd usually be a derby doll who was off exactly. that night doing it with him. Okay, that's that's right. what I had. I usually had a girl And are these with broadcast, or are they... No, they're, no, no. They're just low. They're, they're the... Yeah, uh, they have a really big space in okay. the historic Filipino town. And uh, it's over, over near Eagle Rock? No, it's a little south of the 10... Kind of oh, okay. around the Rampart Boulevard Got area okay. around there. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's a good night out. You should. Uh, it is all right. Fun. No, yes. I will. I know my niece is sometimes. very involved, so involved, she's now dating a, one of the team members. Yeah, Blaine's Having really heretofore guy. not dated uh, a female. Oh, Ew. so this has been, yeah. Oh, I don't like that. A lot, no, of, very, a lot of very attractive ladies. That's it. just it. Isn't Actually, there an underlying see, sort of sexual tension? See, yeah, going see, on? Yeah. When I started, these <laughs> ladies were disgusting. They were like, 50, <laughs> they were kind of bruised. They were like, yeah. No, I mean, like when I was doing it, but now these girls who were the hotter ones broke off and they have their own friend yeah. and now they're really pretty. Yeah. Oh, when I was really young in New York, Channel 9 used to show the roller derby. The Gotham City Girls or something, right? I, I don't Channel know. Nine. But it was like, uh, I remember watching on our black and white set, it was like big gals with beehive haircuts and stuff. And yeah. Oh, just yeah. really That's beating the crap school, out yeah. of me. In New Hampshire, yeah. we had candle pin bowling. Okay. That was, that was the, the local sports. <laughs> Nobody uh, knows what I, that is. I've done, I did that. I had a girlfriend who lived in Beverly, Mass. Oh, there you go. For a long so, yeah. time. Apparently, apparently oh, Beverly, do I know her? Uh, uh, I feel I know all your girlfriends. No, I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah. 
It was when I was in college. Yeah. yeah. Y'all went to college together. Yeah, but not, you were gone. He was a senior oh, when I was okay, a freshman. Okay, okay. Let's get that out there. <laughs> Everybody's younger than I am. Dave is three years older than me. So is Mike Rice. Right. Uh, yeah. well, Mike's six months older than me. There you go. Yeah. Um, there's one other. Th- oh, I also. Uh, Spike Ferristein, you know um, Spike Ferristein. Ferristein, mm-hmm. you worked with him on his talk show on Fox. On his talk, talk show with Spike Ferristein, that the was longest, really early on. That was like 2007, 2008. When you first came out here for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That was my first job. We worked for a couple of weeks, and the writer's strike happened, oh. and they shut the show down. <laughs> you know, um, uh, two things about that. Number one, um, that guy used to be a huge fan of the Dave Jones Gun Friend Show. Really? Yeah, it's the wow. strangest thing because he used to write for Seinfeld, I think, and yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that. So remember that show when we had it, the public access show. It was the only thing on. And he wrote so, for Letterman before that, so he was right, in New York probably around right, the same right. time. Um, I just always remember that. But um, that writer strike, I had a show that Spike bought uh, called Gross Negligence. Okay, they did a, like a play, and they bought it, and then and then, and then this guy who wrote Liar Liar, um, he was going to be the writer in it, and he wrote. I'll never forget. He wrote. These amazing notes about my script, like really good, you know, comments, not like something where like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, right, right. And I showed my dad because I'm like, this guy's a professional. This guy's a professional writer, you know, whatever. And I really liked Liar Liar a lot, too. So it's like really, oh, my God, he's catching your cold. I'm sorry. Um, And uh, yeah, then the writer strike happened and I was foiled again. Uh, Yeah, no, it was bad. Yeah, um, but it's like I shouldn't be affected by that. I just work at a law firm. Right. I mean, that's what's supposed to be happening. Plus, I got the lowest deal in television history. I think. Give me like a couple of beers. And, but remember when Ma- when Caroline's wanted to manage me? Remember they gave me uh, they they ordered me some chicken wings from the kitchen, and they gave me a, a McAllen's, a bottle of McAllen's, and Rangers tickets. And oh, I was well, like, where like, do I sign? Well, like every year or just No, no, just that one time wow. to sign. And I couldn't wait to sign. You I didn't ask a, anybody. You, I you needed a manager to advise you against that manager. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, in fact, when I was trying to get out of it, my lawyer was like, you know, slavery was abolished in 1865 because he was reading the contract. I didn't even read it. I just, I didn't care. I mean, that's why this guy, we were talking about my, I had a manager um, last year when I was here. Okay. And uh, she turned out to be a total phony. Oh, she no. told me, oh, we have these meetings, we have these meetings. They were always canceled a half hour beforehand. And then I found out through Viddy, through Viddy's friend at the Boston Globe, that she was running like a credit card scam. Oh, my God. Or something. Like, it's so, oh, it's so fucked up. And it really, it almost made, it made me cry last time I was here because we, we thought we had meetings out here. And then she's like, oh, they canceled again. You know, this never happens to any of my other clients. She made me feel like a fucking asshole. Uh, she I was like, I don't you, need that. She didn't make you pay any money or anything, did she? Well... <laughs> I paid money anyway because I felt bad because I thought she was doing all this stuff. So, like, for instance, we had this meeting at ESPN, and they all came down from Connecticut to see my Godfather show, and she bought them dinner before the show. Okay. She's like, I spent $300 buying them dinner for the show. And then after the show, I'm like, how come those guys from ESPN didn't show up? Like, they had to go back to Connecticut, so they just left. I'm like, what do you think they'd come and say hello? It's not that big a venue. You know, they came all the way from Connecticut. And then I, it took me a year to realize there was no there. meeting. There yeah, was no dinner. Yeah. I gave her $300 to pay for the meal, and none of that ever happened. <laughs> and, and to get suckered into that when you're older, yeah, it's so embarrassing. Is she still know? around, though? Is she- I haven't seen her, but I've had, I had to call all the comedy clubs and tell them about it. It was so embarrassing. As if it could get any worse. Uh. I mean, things haven't really gone my way, and I still have a regular job, and everybody knows now. And yeah, I'll tell you, Chris, 
it, it took me, it was only about two or three years ago where I started actually telling people I had a job. Like I'd always try and pretend I'm like, yeah. no, 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 I do comedy professionally or whatever. And then it took me. And then, and then I, now I'm very happy at my job. Like it took me a while to be just honest with. But wh- wh- why do you feel the need to tell people you have a day job? Um, but I don't tell them if they don't ask. It's okay. just like, I don't mind talking about it now, but I trying to, because when you said you had a job, then you're not a professional. You know, and I was trying to yeah, give the, the, give I, the I illusion mean, that like, I was a professional. Like two comedians, but to civilians who look at your credits and hear that you have a but I was talking podcast, about, you, you can pull one over that. On I, I, I know, but it was, <laughs> but it was more like, I just, I think I just wanted to be more honest. Okay. And, and, and it's funny because I can't be honest in my standup, which would help me. All right. A lot. I can't do it. I don't know why. I keep. But you get a lot of comedy out of your day job too, and you always have. Yeah, but I can't do it on stage. I'm afraid to for the some HR reason. HR woman assaulting you. At yeah, the you Christmas heard about party. that? No. The <laughs> HR woman at my job tried to kill me at the office Christmas party. Why? What did you she do? She got fired because she tried to kill me. What did I do? What did I do? I did nothing. Um, he was, da- he was being David, and she just could not abide by that. She. Hey, from day one, she came and she goes, you know, um, I've been looking through your file and you're not going to get away with a lot of the stuff you've been getting away with here. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, well, I've been here 10 years. I've been through six of you. Let's see how this turns out, shall we? And, and then it was on, I guess. And she was really pretty. So I was completely attracted to her. So it's possible that there was some sort of sexual harassment charge. I can't remember. Put that in the file. And then, right. And so one day on the elevator, we were on the elevator alone, which is every girl's scariest dream. And um, I said, well, you live on the Upper West Side, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to ride my bike around your house this weekend. If you come out, we'll have a conversation. And I said it just like that. And she told everybody, she's like, he's going to ride his bike. And, and the other girls who have done this to a hundred times, they're like, what are you, a fucking idiot? First of all, he doesn't have a bike. Second of all, he's not going to come around anymore. Right, What's right. the matter with you? Why don't you find that funny? And she just didn't find it at all. So then I got called into the managing partner's office for sexual harassment. He goes, oh, she's, but first the guy told me, the guy tells me, he's like, how he got this blowjob? Like, before, like before he goes. Oh, by the way, also they're filing a second. This is before the Me Too movement. So, because uh, it's a, and so she was just getting madder and madder at the boys' well, club that it right, was. Right, because the okay. managing partners adored you. Adored you. Why no, did you yeah. say it like that? No, you totally said it like that, Chris. You were there. You heard it. I heard it. But but yeah. So then there was another incident where I had gone to jail for the for a license plate scam I was running, and um, I said, "Oh, I'm going to jail tomorrow, but I think I'll be back by Monday, so it's not a problem." She, and she was furious, furious, like, what the, "We're letting this fucking asshole work here." And the manager partner was like, "No, no, it's okay. He just did something stupid." And like, so she's just getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And then by the Christmas party, she was so drunk, she was whispering in my ear, was so sexy, and she goes, "You think you're so fucking great? I'm gonna fuck you up, uh-huh. you fucking loser. You're a fifty year old loser." You're a fucking loser. I'm like, well, I'm not actually 50 yet. She goes, fuck you. And then like, it was really fucked up. And then she choked me. And uh, she knew martial arts. Oh so she God. kept saying she was going to. And she choked me and blo- broke a blood vessel in my eye. Oh. And then she was subsequently fired. And then she ran out. And she was never seen again. Wow. She like ran out. Fuck you. Fuck you. And then she ran out. She was never seen again. I'll bet you'll see her again one day. I hope so. I just love that Jessica <laughs> drove her to the end. Well, that's the thing. People were just, it was so funny because then they were doing my, uh, what do you call that, review. Right. And uh, they were like, um, oh, you're, she, was, she was doing my review. She goes, you're getting a bonus and a raise, <laughs> you motherfucker. She was so angry. And then I went outside and I, I'd handcuffed myself to the receptionist. I got in trouble for that. And then the other junior partners came over. They're like, you didn't tell you you handcuffed yourself to Helen? And I'm like, I wasn't supposed to mention it. They're like, oh, my God, Andy was dying. He was dying laughing. And then when she found that out because she thought she had me, she goes, now I got you, motherfucker. I got you. you you're, you're in big trouble. He's really angry. you know. But it turned out he wasn't angry at all. So the boys club works again. So it was just – 
adding up and adding up. And then at the Christmas party, she finally just blew. Are you good at your job? I'm excellent at it. That's oh, yeah. why I'm able oh, to yeah. keep it. Yeah. All right. yeah, I'm like really good at it. It's the strangest thing. I do Are you these a paralegal? Filings. No, I do these filings for the SEC. Okay. And um, <laughs> I no one else can do it. So, uh, And when the managing partner calls me on a Sunday, I'm available. And that's how I keep my job. <laughs> and, you do our, and you do all right financially. Yeah. So, no, it's a very good paying job. It's not good enough for Manhattan. Right, but, uh, right. You know, if you want to live nice, but I mean, I don't live comfortably, but it's a very you know you, good you, paying you're job. You're still in that apartment by the 59th Street Bridge. Yeah, that yeah. massive place that you pay next right. to nothing. For. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. What do you right. pay for? Well, now it's about 2,500 bucks. Good, Which is that's still it's amazing. Ever. Right? No, it's it would be doubled if I move. If wow. I move, it'll be double. Wow. wow. Um, <laughs> and I have a parking garage uh, garage in the, by the Trump Tower. Which yeah. has become a nightmare. Oh my god! Which is why you know people are like, uh, "Do you hate Trump?" And I'm like, for different reasons, <laughs> because his son also lives across the street from me. So the Secret Service takes over the parking that I was using to park my car there. Who, Eric? They take over the block. No, Donald Trump Jr. Okay. Oh god. Yeah, they live right across the street. And then Trump cut in line when I was voting. He we voted at the same place, and he cut in line that day. I was thinking about voting for him. And then he cut in line. I'm like, well, fuck that. Right. <laughs> I was so angry. Have, have I ever told you my Donald Trump story? No, please do. Um, uh, it was backstage at the Emmys one night at the Daily Show. Right. Uh, and uh, yes, all, you won four Emmys, right? Or more? More? F- five. Wow. You know, but, <laughs> Sorry. But it was counting. Um, <laughs> but we were backstage and we picked up our trophies and he was just kind of skulking around. It was, you know, the, the Apprentice was on. We were all big fans. It was like the first season. He's the Todd Barry of rich people. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You were saying, <laughs> you didn't if, say that. If, if only Todd Barry were, were, fa- were, were <laughs> right, president. Right. Um, but he came over to us, like, just like, hey, fellas, great job, you know, and just came over expecting us to, like, take pictures with him. And this is in the era before cell phones, and I had yeah. a disposable camera on me. So I'm like, okay, great. So we handed it to someone, he posed for some pictures with us, and um, and then we were standing around and kind of joking with him, and he was, you know, holding court. And then I said something that got a laugh. I don't remember what it was, but it distracted from him. And he laughed and he did a little like, okay, I'm going to sock you on the arm. He socked me so hard on the arm. Oh, he was so mad that you pulled focus from him. <laughs> Obviously, he just pulled wow. back and boom, like clocked me in the upper arm. And I was, I was kind of like, aha, very, bruised very funny, Mr. Trump. The next day I had a bruise. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a big fella. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. so much sense, though, because so I was, I was punched how... by a president. That's right, pretty cool. Right. But it makes so much sense because he's obviously wants people to like him, which is why he keeps just getting so upset like a little boy and yeah. like tweeting these things just like I would do. That's why I'm saying I can't be mad at him. This is exactly what I would do if I was president. I'm an idiot. Which is I would, why you're not president. Yeah, but I'm, I might be. <laughs> no. I am white enough that I could be president someday. <laughs> oh, not anymore, I guess. See that? Oh. But I, you know, I plan on running for Manhattan Borough president, as you know. I did. We talked about that last time. Okay. Oh, okay. And then we'll take it from there. You know, see what happens. <laughs> now, the first thing to go, every parade that's ever been in Manhattan. <laughs> every, that's the platform I'm running on. Who in Manhattan is not going to vote Even for me? Even St. Patrick's? Every true. parade. Steuben yeah, Day? We'll keep Thanksgiving and that's it. Puerto Rican? St. Patrick's is the first thing to go. Puerto Rican Day is second. Oh. Pul- uh, uh, Pulaski Day? It's the only time yeah, Python. Okay. It's the only time pythons get out. It's no, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it one at a time, and maybe we'll have them every other year. And okay. We don't have to have them every okay. year. Israeli Day Parade too. Okay. All the All Jewish right. stuff. Everybody. I'm not being prejudiced. <laughs> I just want the parades out. They're so annoying. I can't get my car out of the garage. Now they're protesting this guy, and they, and then there's another reason I can't get the car out of the garage, and this affects me. <laughs> I, I marched in the 1982 
What year is this? 1982, St. Patrick's Day Parade, my high school band. I was a freshman. Oh, and you two, you two marched that year too. Really? Like that was one of their first appearances in America. They were somewhere in the parade. What did you oh, play? Wow. I played trumpet. <laughs> I don't remember that. Did you do it in college too? I, I did freshman year of college. Didn't Gooch I, play that? So did you guys know each other from? He that? was older than me. Um, yeah, I know, but I well, I I joined one of the orchestras because our school had a big music school, and I was I was kind of a big deal in my high school playing trumpet, but <laughs> I was really a big fish in a small pond because I. They put me in like the lowest run orchestra at school, and I was like twentieth chair. So I sat there during concerts with my horn on my lap and occasionally <laughs> raising up to like play. I, I played third and fourth trumpet parts, and that was along with my stand-up career later. Like, kind of I realized, oh, I should leave this to the professionals. You know, and, I thought you were really good at stand-up. I'm sorry, I saw you multiple times, and I thought you were great. Yeah, and you I, had a really nice group. Of people with you, you know, like that, that yeah, you came I, up with. I, I met some of my dearest friends through it, but I yeah. remember auditioning for Aspen, I think, I don't know, in like 2004, two, around 2004 at the comic strip. And like usual, um, I did really well with the comedians and the audience smiled. Right, like I, I didn't right. bomb, but welcome, I didn't. Welcome to my world. Like, yeah, I didn't tear the roof off the place. And the next day where I had a conference call with the Aspen people and they were very encouraging. They said, have you considered a persona? And, oh. and I was like, well, should I wear a hat? Or is that that idiot Lou Viola? It might have been Lou. No, it, it Lou wasn't. Lou. Lou was doing. Fuck you. I'm sorry. I thought been, you were going to stick it, up for that douchebag. No, no. Lou I got was, my reasons. It might have been Lou who I liked. I used to like him. I'll but, tell you some stuff. But was he casting for the. Yeah, I yeah. Thought, he used to I run the Aspen a, Festival. Yeah. Yeah. He I, did well, I yeah. thought he ran a different festival. Well, you, you were the, on crystal mid- meth. You don't remember <laughs> anything. The but they, they gave me these notes about persona and being more autobiographical. Then a year went by and they called me again and said, hey, do you want to audition? And I realized I haven't worked on my persona and I just said no. And then I just stopped doing stand-up. I don't know. I thought you were good. I liked your persona. So I, I say, I'm not saying this because you, you know I've been a big Chris Regan fan. I'm not saying this because you were mad at me earlier or whatever. <laughs> I am a huge Chris Regan fan. I have been since 1986. Or five, whenever we met. And uh, I mean, seriously, if you think about the stupid nothing special show we were doing, Mm -hmm. um, you know how we would select people for that show. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, we really just had to like you and you had to be cool. Mean and arbitrary fashion. Well, we're not allowed to do that anymore if somebody's videotaping. (laughs) And uh, we would have these parties where we were just like, fuck them, (laughs) like whatever. And we, I mean, everybody just liked Chris from the beginning. And you could just see, I mean, seriously, you could see. There were certain people, and Chris was, I mean, I, I can only count like a handful, but Chris was one of those guys that we liked instantly. We always right, wanted right. him to be on the show like because I was the you know senior guy, and we always wanted to come up with work from him. He was easy to work with. We knew he was going to be funny. And I mean, seriously, when you meet people like that, like when I met Atel, like I knew this guy was going to be, mm-hmm. like he was amazing. There was something about him. And there was something Would you about be willing you. to write like, a letter of recommendation for Mr.? Um- Regan, <laughs> more than anything in the whole world. Get me up at some of the clubs. Did you write any? Did you write anything? And we'll wrap up in a second. Did you write anything of, of Ted Two? No, I was in it. I know you were in it. You played a pundit. I yeah, know, I, yeah. Know, I just saw it a week ago. No, no, no. Now, Ted is my favorite movie, maybe of all time. Did you like the sequel? The sequel wasn't as good, but I okay. really, really enjoyed it. Okay, like I really enjoyed it, and I laughed out loud multiple times. <laughs> but I have this scene that I play here because I think this is like one of the funniest things. I, when I was watching it, I'm like. This is so awesome for – it's hard to explain, but it's like where the bear and his wife get married and then they have their first domestic dispute. And it's so funny because it's like all real, but it's like a teddy bear. So it's like also – so it's like one of those things. It's so brilliantly written because it's real, but it's – and it's so obvious and everything, but it's just – I don't know. It really makes me laugh. 
I don't know what this is. Set, setting a scene. Okay. Wait, that's yeah. not until you interrupted me. Well, I have to interrupt oh. you or else I never get to fucking say anything. Are you going to let me finish You're talking? You're always cutting me Are off. Are you going to let me finish talking? You know what? It's Are important you to look good talking? at work. Are you okay? going to let me finish talking? I am trying <laughs> to climb the People corporate fence here. Nobody's okay? in there to look at your ass. You're acting like an asshole. Oh, what am I acting like, Tammy? What am I acting like? Like an asshole. That's what you're acting like. You don't got to dress like Elizabeth Taylor and put a yeah on a plastic bag. I am the face of the business, okay? The face of the business. But then they also do my thing at the end, which is my favorite, which is the New York stuff where they're yelling at the window. That works for me every time. Guys, listen to you. You're delusional. I should have married Robert Sajiko. I really should have. Fine, fine. Go torture that asshole. He treated me good. And he had a dick. He had an awesome dick. Newsflash. Boston whore has seen Italian penis. Did you just call me a You want to call me a Yeah, what a fucking throw shit. Yeah, I want to fucking throw shit. Oh, 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 Sorry. Yeah, me too. She's worse than us. Yeah, she's our enemy now. <laughs> I, I just think that's so absolutely brilliant. He's really uh, great. And, and, and the, the way they, I mean, I... They I liked all the writers it. on that. They the family guy. It. And so that's why I think you're you're on... You know, one of the best comedy shows there is right now. I'll I'll, I'll stay there forever if they'll have me. I really, really? like it. Yeah. Oh, you do yeah. like you like working there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Best it, job, best job I ever had. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I went to a reading once. It seemed like everybody was very happy. Yeah. You know, and a lot of really like, talented people there, and it's been on for years. So everyone kind of knows what to do. It's and, funny. Um, there were several. Th- first of all, it's uh, fascinating when you look at the board that they're planning like two years in advance. Yeah. That's interesting because it's animation. Right. So right. you got It takes it. about a year and a half for everything to get on the air. That's amazing. And really? it's amazing yeah. that sometimes oh. you have that relevant stuff like those phone calls or something. I guess you tuck yeah. them in somewhere. Well, I mean, because like of a, that sort of modular nature of the show with the cutaways, towards the end you can start to start right, to squeeze right. stuff in. But you're it's rare that you'll get something in that is like less than two months. Wow. Right, you know? right. Yeah. It's, which is tough sometimes. Yeah. Have you seen but it's, uh, wait, it's uh, but it's interesting because when I went there to the show, it's it's funny. I'm so involved with the show. Like, I really like it a lot. It's like my favorite show I watch every week. And when you go there, you leave, and it was exciting, but you get disappointed, and you don't know why. But then you realize there, you, you know, you meet some of the actors even doing the lunch, but you're never going to meet Stewie yeah. or Peter. Right, like, you're right. never actually, it, it, right, it freaks right, you out when you're right. there. I'm like, that was a really good time, but something was missing, and I can't put my face. It took me a while when I got home. I'm like, oh, I didn't meet Stewie. <laughs> See, right, seeing right. Charles Schultz at the board during the <laughs> Which was so exciting, but then you're like, oh, wait, they're not uh, real. <laughs> do you produce the animation in, in the States? Uh, part of it. Um, like, there's the first go around of animation, something called an animatic, which right, is a black right. and white version. Yeah, yeah. And that's all done stateside. Okay. Then when it ships off, uh, when you need color, it gets shipped off to Korea. Right. Then it's shipped back here with a few more tightening. So it kind of goes back and forth. But before, uh, yeah, before Catch, I was working for Jumbo Pictures, which produced okay. that Oh, I remember series, that. Yeah, produced the series Doug. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we did that. But have you all seen the uh, Comedy Central produced, I want to say it was a short little documentary about the making of South Park, which t- they... 
pull that together in a yeah. week or 10 days. Yeah, they've only blown one deadline. It's not really yeah. wow. Really? It's about a year or two ago and that was because of a power outage and they lost some stuff. But have you have you seen this? No, you but you should I, look for it. It's an interesting I mean, it's a different style of right, animation right, but of but course. I mean they, they must really And just like one other question though before we wrap up uh, just how, when did you become a producer? You started as a writer, right? I started as an uh story editor. There's you start as a, traditionally you start as a staff writer, which is a lower rung, and then there's story editor, executive story editor, and then co-producer, and then producer. And now I'm a supervising producer or something, and then then I think it's co-EP, and then so you just because kind of, it's on purpose, or do they because they like you and they like your work, or is this the, the ring that happens? Pay bump. Pay bump. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a writer's guild thing. Yeah. Oh, I that see. There's a prescribed because it seems to me certain steps. You know, knowing when you were first a writer, and then it seemed like, wow, he's really going. You're up still the just producing scripts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like guys on the co-EP and EP level will run rooms. Right. And I don't do that because there's a lot of people who have a lot more seniority there than me. Well, we just hired two new writers who started the other week, and there's but there's only three writers who I have seniority over, and I've been there five years. How oh, many writers? There? I didn't do even you? realize you were there for five years. Yeah. And wait, and and um. When you are writing, is it work the same as other shows where you're all in a room together and you have a plan and then you go your separate ways to write and everybody well, judges everybody it? Well, everybody goes off to kind of do their draft for two weeks. Right. Everyone's so assigned similar. a script. But, you know, like coming up with the story and beating out the story and doing the outline and then there's a gag pass. That's all a very collaborative thing. Then you write on your own for two weeks and you bring it in. And then it's rewritten as, as right. a collaborative thing. Then it's sent off. The animatic comes back. You screen that. I'm sorry, before that, there's the table read, rewritten again, animatic, screen that, another rewrite, color comes back, a very small rewrite. So it's it's a very big collaborative process at all yeah. times. It's very hard to say, um, hey, I like I still to this day feel like, hey, I wrote this episode because it's just such a... Right, right. But that's but that's the way it works in all of television. Yeah. So it's yeah. not... I mean, know, so so right. I'll take it, but there's a little part yeah. of me that's, you're a sure. fraud, you're no, a fraud. Stop. Well, it's also <laughs> right, it's, right. It's one of those things, and again, just really quick, because I know you're sick and everything, but um, sometimes when you're... Like, I used to do those articles for make Men's Health and something, and they would change one thing, and then it wasn't my article anymore, I thought. Right. Did you have that when you wrote your two episodes, in particular, these two episodes? Did I mean, you have the, something that made you... Why do we have to change that? Now I look like a fool. No, I mean, the first one I wrote, I really wanted to impress everybody and like, here, this won't get rewritten at all. And then when it was went through a pretty brutal re rewrite process, I was like, oh, I'm t I'm terrible. But you just kind of realize that's, that's the nature of the beast. Like, yeah. uh, you, I, you always have to kind of let go of the idea that your first draft is something great. And this sure. is coming from a five-time Emmy Award. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, wow. late, l l late night late night was easier. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. you know, write your jokes and someone else compiles them. Are so. you mad sometimes that you're not on The Daily Show while Trump is president? No. no. I'd had enough in the Bush era. Right. So, oh, that's right. true. I mean, had gone, plenty, to, plenty of material there. Yeah, I've been gone a good long time. Chris, I can't thank you enough. I know you are so super sick, but you know how much this means to me. You saw I had preparation and stuff. You I see know. what I'm saying? I'm so, sorry I was angry, but as soon no, no, as the no, microphones it. went on, <laughs> it, all, it all melted away. I was hoping that would happen. That's what I assume. You are one of my best pals. And you're um, one of mine. I really, really enjoy your company, and I've always been a fan of your work. Likewise, and Dave. I'm really Aww. glad you were able to come this. And I really think my the few listeners I have are really, really going to like this. I hope uh, so. Interview. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. Great seeing you, William. It's yeah, good to William. see you, and we'll see you again. I'm sure it's we'll, good to see you guys working together. You'll come again. over. To, well, you know, I know.
know, it's exciting. <laughs> He's a wonderful co-host. It's really Absolutely. good. He always has interesting questions and stuff. And um, if he wasn't gay, I swear to God, <laughs> no. he would really be a delight. And uh, <laughs> no, but he also he lets me stay. And, I mean, William, you've changed my uh, feeling about LA around because now your place is great to stay at. And, well, we're uh, but we're not in LA. That's yeah. why. Oh, maybe I don't know. But it's like you know, heaven on earth that is Pasadena. I was getting hotels and stuff, and it was annoying. You know, it gets very pricey and stuff. So thank you very much. No, I'm glad you could. That and just. Thank you guys for coming around. Thanks and for having me, David. Thank you so much Thanks, for Paul. letting me uh, tape in your studios and being a fine engineer and a nice guy. <laughs> and um, if I insulted you in any way, that's what I do. But uh, <laughs> I'm very racist. But, you know, I just admit it. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way it is. I'm from Jersey. We all like that. And that's all we say now when we're older. We're like, I'm an old man. I don't know any better. <laughs> so anyway, uh, everybody, that's uh, that's the show for today. This is the Nightfly with Dave Jessica. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Good night, everybody. Like that.